You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the proud host of this show. Today I've got Cam Berry and Brooks Childress with me as we have three more hours of radio before SEC Media Day is coming up in Nashville next week. So we'll do some more preview of Media Days, things that we are expecting to hear or want to hear about uh, in Nashville here for the 2023 Media Days. Also, uh, we'll talk a little baseball today as the second half gets underway. We'll uh, kind of look at not only the Braves, but also just Major League Baseball as a whole. We've, we've been very Braves-focused, but we'll look at some other good teams that might challenge the Braves uh, in the second half and, and uh, go through some baseball topics today, too. And again, of course, football topics ahead of SEC Media Days. Uh, as uh, yesterday, if you did not get to join us, we had a power ranking of the 14 SEC programs if you miss that you can check it out on the sports call podcast presented by coca-cola we went through 14 to 1 ranking the uh the programs right now again not a prediction for next year or a you know a summarization of all the past results of a history but just who's had some good off seasons who is on the way up who's on the way down that sort of thing so again check that out on the sports call podcast again ryan brooks and cam with you here on this Friday. Brooks, I'll start with you. We have been quite busy this afternoon making some preparations, and uh, I I don't want to say we're almost to the finish line because the finish line is Thursday at 6 o'clock of next week, Uh, but we're about ready to to be at the starters grid. We'll put it that way for SEC Media Days. And if you want to get technical, it's going to be Thursday, maybe Friday, early Friday morning when we actually return here and don't have to worry (laughs) about driving anymore. But, yeah, we're almost there. Uh, It's always a, a... a muted excitement because you know there's so much work that you've got to put into uh, put into the week and then in preparation to get to the week and make sure all the technology is ready to go. Everything uh, is is going to be handled fine. Everything's set up fine to be able to have a successful week up there. Setting up interviews. I've been emailing some folks this afternoon trying to get on some lists uh, to bring to bring you all all the listeners some great content next week. We always do a you know we always uh, and I hope everybody out there would agree we always do a good job bringing you some some good content from SEC Media Days. We're trying to even you know step that up a little bit more this year. We're trying to get get some more big names on the on the program. We'll see how that goes. Um, but it, it's it's going to be a fun week no matter what. There's a lot of uh, uh, extracurricular events for for us to, uh, up there after we're done. But uh, it, it's it's going to be a fun week to uh, bring the show from Nashville. First time we're broadcasting the show from Nashville. First time SEC Media Days has been in Nashville. And so 
I I don't know. I know Cam was up there for the for the SEC tournament. Yeah. I was up there a couple years ago. Ryan, you went up there a couple years ago, but I think me and you were up there for the same uh, reason yeah. up there uh, for the Music, Music City Bowl. Music City Bowl uh, versus Purdue, and so all of us have had our our little experiences with Nashville. So it's going to be fun to get up there and be up there for for almost a, a full business week. And uh, yeah, can't wait to uh, can't wait to get there. But of course, can't wait to talk to all of our callers today. Can't wait to uh, dive into the show and can't wait for tonight because the Braves are back tonight. That's going to be so fun. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, you're referring to the Music City Bowl. I don't know how much time you spent in Nashville. JJ and I went up there covering it for the station. Then we were up there a total of about 22 hours, if that, maybe 20 hours. I mean, we were not there long. We we got in like midnight or so because I think we did a show and came back. I, I don't know. It's fuzzy, but we came night before got there really late 11 midnight and then i think it was 11 a.m game i yeah, want to say really, that's and, awful and so heck i don't even know we were there 20 or maybe 17 or 18 hours we were in nashville so we did absolutely nothing outside of sleep and, and cover the football game uh so excited to do much more than that this time cam barry will be joining us in nashville for his uh first complete sec Your... media days excited about that how I'm are you doing sir very excited uh ready to ready to get this show on the road man um, have a great time, enjoy hanging out with you guys, get some really cool interviews, and uh, just be able to experience Nashville and, and have a great time. And uh, doing great, like Brooks already mentioned, Braves baseball is finally back. Like these past two days, I, I will say that these past two days I've been able to watch something other than sports. Sure. But um, I miss sports. So, sure. yeah, wanna, what we do. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, I, I'm ready to watch the Braves again, get this second half, uh, get this second half started. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, talk about that and see how things are going with that. However, I have been able to watch a new show on Netflix that came out, um, a couple days ago called quarterback, um, on Netflix. And it, it kind of delves into the behind the scenes from the 2022 seasons of, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk cousins and, uh, Marcus Mariota. And so I've been watching a few episodes of that really, really good really good show um so i i would recommend to anybody that has netflix if you are if you're looking for something to watch quarterback is a great show it's about an hour hour long episodes eight episodes great high quality show i'm doing great um and yeah it's a great friday it absolutely is and uh yeah we're <clears throat> we're so excited about media days i'm also just very thankful uh that we're getting to take everyone uh that is uh, normally part of this show um, usually someone has to stay behind and, and this year someone is still staying behind but it's our intern TP Hammock which of course will be very important for us and we're going to be very appreciative of the work he'll, he'll help us out uh, with next week but really glad that you, that you and then uh, Brant Daughtry get to go up there yeah. for the first time uh, with us to Media Days it is, it is truly an experience and there are certainly some fun things it's certainly long hours uh, it's definitely our longest days of the entire year uh, sleep is is not the uh, foremost uh, <laughs> foremost subject of uh, of the week, but uh, it also is a great content week. We get to hear from a lot of different people. We live in this. I don't want to say bubble because we have social media. We certainly can consume other people's opinions, but uh, we do live obviously in this Auburn area, so we cover Auburn and we think the most about Auburn. But it's also good to hear what some of the outside world thinks about Auburn. Are we maybe talking this recruiting stuff up too much? Are we talking up the momentum that it feels that Auburn has too much? Or 
Uh, is it palpable to the far reaches of the conference? And then also the check-in on some of the thoughts with all, all these other teams because we have obviously uh, focused on the Auburn part of it, and we're going to be doing so many previews here in the coming weeks. But also want to hear from these other teams about how they're feeling about their situation moving into the year and and, and all that. So we're just really glad that uh, we're going to have myself, Brooks Childress, Camberry, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy all with us uh, in Nashville and uh, really excited about uh, what we're going to do. Also just going to be very weird, as we've discussed a couple different times, not to have Auburn on Thursday. That is something that Brooks and I, as, as people that have been there multiple times, uh, Auburn has always been on Thursday since we've been doing this. So that kind of changes our week structure a little bit uh, because we obviously want to focus on trying to get the Auburn people. I'll just be forthcoming and tell you that if we are not able to land some of the, the Auburn people, we're going to be incredibly disappointed. Uh, and, yes. I'm going, and I'm going to be ornery. Uh, and it's uh, it's not going to be uh, <laughs> awesome, but uh, we'll have a, plenty of awesome guests throughout. But obviously, we want to make sure we hear from the head football coach at Auburn and some of the players, and and so it's a great opportunity to do that. I'm also we got uh, we got today more information about it. It looks like, and I know that people probably don't care too much about this, but banter amongst ourselves a little bit. Um, it looks like Radio Row is going to be right outside of the main media areas, the Sweet. main media room and le- electronic media room. I know Brooks loves being in the electronic media room, and uh, I'm usually in the main media room for some of the bigger bigger coaches and that sort of thing. And uh, it seems like if the, if the diagram we're reading is correct, then it looks like it's all on the same level and it's all within steps uh, from each other. That's great. And uh, that would be really nice because I think uh, we were talking a little bit about it Wednesday uh, with Tom on the show that the first Atlanta experience was not the best just yeah, because I remember of the logistics. This, yeah. uh, but then they, they fixed it immensely and, and got us all in the Hall of Fame last year. And so, uh, I again, that close proximity, you would think, oh, you have a – nine or ten hour day and all this you know why 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 does five to ten minutes matter well you got to be at the table a lot you you got to be ready for interviews a lot a lot of it gets pre-recorded you know i mean we don't unfortunately we don't just pre-record something and poof it's in there and we just plug and play i mean there's editing done by by brooks a lot of times and uh it's a process and so anyway i could go on and on but i'm just i'm i'm always down to give you behind the scenes like i just you know, it's yeah. it, there is a mystique about it. You do it enough times, and you maybe you don't want to. You don't take it for granted. You never do that, but you do say, "Well, you know, people think it's just like oh, fun and games." Well, it's not that either. You know, there's a lot of great opportunities, but there's also a lot of work part it, uh, put in, and I think it's a very fair balance of of work and fun and that sort of thing. But yeah, we're just really excited about it, and uh, excited to have everyone along for the the ride uh, this year. And uh, again, we're going to have four live shows to our, to our callers out there. We have every intent uh, to take phone calls. Just bear with us on the timing of that because we might have some, some interviews pop in that are live. Obviously, we can try to move around some pre-recorded stuff a little bit, but live interviews have got to be right on time with the way uh, media days work. So uh, we expect our equipment. We've, we've tested it. We expect it will hold up well and uh, give everyone the opportunity still to call next week. We will have a show next Friday. 
Uh, right now, we are going to, to hope that we get a lot of content in there to maybe only do a partially live show on Friday, let everyone recover a little bit uh, from the full week and from the travel. We'll be getting in probably midnight or, or later. Or around midnight. I'm, I'm not going to say the later part. There's, there's not. It's not going to be later. It'll just be Please midnight. God, no. It won't be worse. I have work Please. the next day. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Bright side, I don't have to be up at 3.30, though. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, oh, that would be brutal. So we'll have a, a format kind of like that for next week's shows. Again, uh, we'll be live from, from Nashville Monday through Thursday. Again, we'll take phone calls, as always, just maybe at, at, at certain times or more random times. Uh, and then Friday we'll have kind of a hodgepodge. We'll have some live stuff. We'll also uh, have some recap stuff and and some interviews that we had. It's kind of kind of like a, a a hybrid between a best of the week, but then also some of our thoughts on day of. So that's kind of what the next week is looking like. But of course we have a lot to do today. So we're going to take our first time out. We'll, we're back with your phone calls and uh, and more right after this. This is the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childers, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Of course, you can listen in various ways, including our Tiger Communications app or after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, which is presented by Coca-Cola. As we continue on with the show today, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports today. We'll start off with Darrell Rivas, who turns 38, former NFL cornerback, selected 14th overall in the 2007 draft by the New York Jets out of Pittsburgh. Panthers. Also played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New England Patriots, and Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl 49 champion, four-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, member of the NFL 2010 All-Decades team, uh, or all 2010's All-Decade team, Put the S there, carry it around, that sort of thing. Uh, 2007 Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team, member of the New York Jets Ring of Honor, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame at Pittsburgh. Revis was a two-time All or two-time first-team All-Big East selection. Drell Revis turns 38 today. He, he's going to the Hall of Fame like next month, right? Like he he's not. I don't know. Isn't he one of this year's? Uh, Maybe honorees? one of this year's inductees. He and uh, Asante Samuel have been beefing on Twitter for the last two days. I haven't seen that either. I don't know. I've not 
I'm not on Revis Island right now. Deep in I'm NFL not, Twitter. I, <laughs> yeah, 2023 class member, Darrell yeah. Revis. Okay. I thought so. I thought in. the Patriots Very had a guy nice. going in. Very nice. I thought the Bucks got Bucks had a guy going in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I think he'll be our, going in as a Jet. Our one Jets fan yeah. out there is just fuming yeah. right now. What's the number to call them? <laughs> Monty Jackson turned 70, former NFL corner, selected 28th overall in the 1975 NFL draft by the Los Angeles Rams out of San Diego State. Go Aztecs! Also played for the Oakland slash Los Angeles Raiders, two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, 1976 NFL interceptions leader, 1975 NFL All-Rookie team, Monty Jackson turns 70. And Tim Hudson turns 48. I wonder where he went to school. Former Auburn and MLB pitcher. War Eagle. Played high school baseball at the Glenwood School in Phoenix City. Played for the Oakland Athletics, Atlanta Braves, and San Francisco Giants. Four-time All-Star. 2014 World Series champion with the Giants. 2010 NL Comeback Player of the Year. 2000 AL Wins Leader. Member of the Braves Hall of Fame at Auburn. Hudson was 1997 SEC Player of the Year and won All-American honors. He's the first player to be named first team All-SEC at two positions in the same year, pitcher and outfield. He was playing right field against the Thunder Chickens Tuesday night. Can confirm. Um, Got to have a base hit, maybe two. I think I know he had a. Uh, I think he had he, a he hit. He rounded out field. short once. I think he had a hit and a fielder's choice and another out to Tom. Tim Hudson and the, the team. Their team won. Most importantly, but yeah. I was just giving you a rundown. Uh, Tim Hudson turns forty-eight today. The Thunder Chickens can compete with the majors. <laughs> yeah, that's that was what that's we learned. That's the takeaway. Oh and so Tim Hudson, 48. Darrell Revis, 38. Monty Jackson, 70. Those are the birthdays in sports today a little more on sec media days and what we're looking ahead towards uh, i've mentioned to you guys before really want to hear uh i i would really love to get a counter on every coach where they stand on the eight versus nine game schedule i'm, I'm very gung-ho about it i i i just refuse to accept that we're just going to wallow in 50 50 ball and we're not going to make a decision and i know I know that at this point, what's the point? Because they're going to do the, the eight-game schedule in 24. They're going to wait until the first playoff. They're going to wait to see if ESPN gives more money. I get it. But I still want to see – still want to hear from these coaches to see if they'll plant their flag on one particular side of the fence and their reasoning for, for that. Are there any other storylines that you guys are looking out for or anything in particular – uh, that interests you in terms of, you know, is there a lot of Texas Oklahoma banter or anything uh, that the you know rules committee might look at? We had some rules they were looking at in, in months past. Just just that sort of thing. Anything that uh, you're keeping an eye out or, or an ear out for next week? Um, so this it's not really anything to do really with that. I think what I want to hear from is. I want to hear what Kirby Smart has to say about all these things with these driving incidents with his players. Um, you know, it came out yesterday that um, one of the girls that was involved in the accident is suing Jordan Davis and I think the university or something like that. Um, and she's claiming like negligence and different things like that. 
um, that have to do with the accident accident and using the the UGA's um, SUVs vehicles to drive around and allowing students to use them and, and different things like that. So um, I'm interested to see what he has to say about this. Um, I'm sure it'll be a decent amount of um, you know kind of moving around you know giving full answers but um i'm sure he's going to be asked plenty of people are going to ask about it um and i i just want to know what he has to say and and if he's gonna you know uh answer for how he's gonna is running his program continues to run his program he's going to be punishing his players how's he going to be dealing with this moving forward because it's it's not going away like the continued the story just continues to grow something a, a new dimension seems to be added you know, every other week. So that's something, that's a storyline that I think I'm most interested in for next week. And it's, it's not really about like 2024 and all that stuff. Obviously I am interested in that as well, but this is like an immediate, immediate future kind of question of, you know, how you're running your program. Do you care about the discipline or is it just about football? Are you raising, like, are you trying to, you know, help build and and um, build men of, of certain character or is it just about winning football games no matter what happens? So um, that's something that I'm absolutely interested in. Um, I'm I, I'm interested because I, I feel like somebody's going to ask Kirby Smart about that. To, and so right? I, I want to hear what he has to, you know, has to say about that. Uh, I want to hear um, the... I want to hear someone ask Josh Heupel about some of the stuff that came down today from the NCAA. I know it's it has nothing to do with his regime. It was the previous uh, the coaching staffs that were there that got uh, Tennessee in trouble. But I want to know what if somebody asks him how they're going to overcome, you know, what what they're going to do with this. We will get to that in just a little bit later in the show. Um, and then I, I want to know when uh, when uh, Greg Sankey is up there on Monday. Uh, somebody, I hope somebody asks about uh, a timeline for the future scheduling because they came out with the 2024 schedule and they said, we're going to do this for now. This is a one-off year thing for 2024. And then we're going to, you know, go, go from there. I want to know if there's any been any sort of talks behind the scenes that hasn't been, you know, that hasn't been put out there yet to say, this is when we want to have this, uh, you know, the, the timeline we want to have this figured out. Does it before the 2024 season even starts? Are you looking for, you know, the, the summer after 2024? Just, you know, wait, wait a little while longer. Um, I don't know. I, I want to know what what uh, Greg Sankey, if, if there's been any sort of uh, any sort of discussions about the future scheduling models for uh, going forward after 2024, because that that's a that's a big question. Everybody wants to know. I hope I'm sure somebody will ask him about that. Uh, from from the commissioner, and then uh, I want to see how uh, Hugh Freeze is received at his first media days back in the conference because he was with Ole Miss, uh, was uh, left Ole Miss in, in not the best of terms, obviously, and now he's back with Auburn. I want to see uh, if anybody you know how the media receives him, how the vast media receives him into uh, back to SEC media days because you know as, as someone who uh, was in the conference he knows the carousel that is SEC media days but I want to see how they they handle it so when I think about kind of the various things that go on during media days with with all these different conferences we've heard because the big 12 mainly has gone ahead and had their media days all these conferences have them in about a three or four week period we talked about the significance of what the pac-12 media day in singular, uh, next Friday will will mean for the Pac-12 and if they announce a TV deal by then or on that day. So what we got out of the Big 12 media days 
We obviously got some jabs at Oklahoma and Texas. That was to be expected. Uh, I said the, the bit yesterday that Sonny Dykes was poking at A&M and Missouri for, for not accomplishing a whole lot in the SEC. He, he made reference to he was really looking forward to the Rutgers-UCLA rivalry <laughs> uh, in, in the Big Ten. So definitely poking at the, the, the conference expansion and, and all that and conference realignment. But what I'm interested here, you know, the Big 12 – had fairly significant news come out about their next TV deal. And we had it leaked in parts because before many days even started, we heard the, the deal about Mexico city and, and how the big 12 is wanting to, to do some neutral site games there. And I mean, again, that's, that's not something that really interests me. I, I don't, I don't really love that. Uh, but then also in media days this week, they talked about, the actual timing of games and they talked about how there could be uh, non-Saturday games for the conference which has not really been a thing for them and that they could put some of their best stuff on on weekdays and you know that that sparked we kind of had this debate a little bit last week maybe or the week before about if we'd like to see it come to the SEC and 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 how you would change that and, and that sort of thing and I'm really just kind of hoping that I hear from Greg Sankey, no, the SEC is not interested in doing that. Because, A, the SEC kind of it leads. It doesn't follow. And so these other conferences making moves, we talked about the ACC, going to the CW in part, coming this year and that sort of thing. That's because some of these conferences are competing in the same space as the Southeastern Conference. And, again, I'm not trying to be some biased SEC guy here. It's a fact that the ACC and the Big 12 and throwing the Pac-12, whatever the hell deal they get, <laughs> their games are just not as valuable as the SEC's games. Right. They're just not. And so some of those conferences are also competing for these time slots, so it behooves them to think of other ways to where they can single out their most prestigious games and, and and some of their stuff. And that's why the ACC is putting some of their content on the CW with Raycom because come 2024, when even, when CBS doesn't pull the game of the week away from, from the ESPN Family Networks, that's one more game to put on the ESPN Family Networks plus the arrival of Oklahoma and Texas, that is another game. So you're adding a couple more games to what your already heavy SEC slate is on the ESPN part of networks. And so if you're the ACC, you're not going to win many 6 o'clock battles for ESPN or ESPN2 or ABC uh, against the SEC. It better be like Clemson, Florida State, or Miami, yeah, Florida State, or you're not winning that tier. battle. Yeah. Um, and, and so they're they're trying to branch out, and make sure they don't have to do something egregious, like put it on ESPN Plus or something. God <laughs> forbid, like the like the AAC yeah. has done a lot uh, for the last few years. But so the point is, the SEC does not need to embark on this journey of oh, should we play on a Thursday night? Should we play on a Friday night? What about this and what about that? They do that around Thanksgiving because it makes sense and. It, I mean, it's like the only game on Thursday, and then they have a couple of their games because they have just so many big rivalries. That's when it can kind of, you know, just they compete with themselves to some degree because there's so many worthwhile rivalries on that last week of the year in the conference that it does behoove them a little bit to spread it out. 
but you don't necessarily have to spread out stuff even with the conference because you're you're not going to have eight incredible matchups every every week. You're more realistically looking at three to four, and you can spread those out and not compete that much at all. So I I just don't want them as much as I am. I guess I'm okay. I'm not like ecstatic, but I'm okay with some other important leagues moving games to weekdays gives me more for the gives more for the consumer i am the consumer i consume things as i've said many times but i i personally don't want it in the sec i think that you guys would agree you know a thursday night auburn game when you then have to go to work the next day or that sort of thing i mean so much of this fan base well there's obviously a lot in this area but so much of this fan base commutes from birmingham and montgomery uh, on these weekends and even from Atlanta and from all over the, the Southeast. Oh, yeah. And so that is not going to help things. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, the stadium be half empty. No. That I mean, would still, be kind of cool, still though. Open. But I, you say, so you're intrigued by the idea. It then. would be cool because it's different. I don't, you know, if everybody came into Auburn on a Thursday night, again, I don't, I don't know who brought it up about classes the next day. Maybe it was Brandt. I can't remember. Uh, that said classes the next day would be empty because yes. everybody got so lit on game day like they do on Saturdays. But seeing uh, seeing Jordan Jordan Hare lit up on a on a Thursday night, I mean that would be cool for sure. I don't think it would be feasible. Right. I was, was going to say from a logistics standpoint, because you know on, on football weekends, half the parking lots get closed on campus yeah, starting at like yeah, 3 in the right, afternoon because exactly. classes are getting done. Well, if you've got classes all day on Thursday, you can't really close the, the parking lots it would for be, a full day it for classes. It would be classes. a wreck. It would be a, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just be a something wreck. where I just want my I want to have my cake and eat it too. Where yeah. it's just like, yes, I do want yeah, important football exactly. throughout the week, but I don't want it to be me. Right, right. <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I don't want to be mentally prepared on a oh Wednesday gosh, or Thursday dude. night for Baylor, that. Baylor, Texas Tech on a Thursday. Heck yeah, yeah. Just in terms of the oh yeah, Brooks. I'm thinking about just the parking and the logistics behind it. <laughs> What, <laughs> what do you think? It, it would there's be a, a seven word, o'clock there's kick. There's a certain word I want to use that I can't use, but it would be bad. <laughs> I was going to say it's a seven. Let's just let's play this out for logistical. A seven o'clock kick. Yep. We'll say six thirty seven o'clock. That means Tiger Walk is either at four thirty or five o'clock. Yeah. When oh, people are getting off done. of work. I used oh, to have three thirty classes. By yeah. The way. And oh. so that means you're opening the the you know the fan fest an hour before that at you know four o'clock three o'clock whatever three thirty. Uh, it, it's just you're you've got people that weren't going to want to tailgate all day, and they're going to be out there at seven a.m. on on Thursday afternoon. It's it's a logistical nightmare. Yeah, I mean, look, Dude, that'd be awful. I th- again, how do you, okay? Well, let me ask you this: Where how did you feel about the twenty fourteen road game at Kansas State? That was a Thursday night. How did you feel about that? I I, I worked so in twenty fourteen. I was working at the uh, at the Robertsdale Public Library, and on Tuesdays and Thursdays we were open till eight o'clock at night. No, yeah, and we That's didn't like your have longer a TV. hour days. Yep. No. we didn't have a TV up there either because we you know you don't have a TV in the library. Why, why would you? Yeah, you're supposed books? to read, not watch. So yeah, yeah. so I had a, a, a it was not fun. It was not fun. Wow. Okay. So yeah, that, that Cam, what did you? I mean. Did you do you recall that 2014 Auburn Kansas State game on Thursday? Woo. No, I don't actually. Oh. I don't. 2014 
on a Thursday. I, I know Lewis had a big doing, big play in that game, and we it talked was close, with, um, low scoring game. I remember one time when we had uh, Jeff Whitaker was in studio. We talked about that and the logistics yeah. of getting there on a Thursday and everything. Uh, it's somewhere in our podcast feed. I'm sure we'd be able to find it. But he he told a good story account of like how his, the whole week was messed up for just oh, practices man. because you know you get a game on Saturday. Like say you get a game on Saturday, you have a a film day off day kind of with corrections day on Sunday, off day Monday, and you practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, off day Friday, game Saturday. Well, everything's got to get moved up, and if you don't – if if say you don't have a game that Saturday, it's still – you practice that week, and then you, you basically do your, you know, what, the, the corrections for your – you know, if you were looking at it, corrections would be Saturday, off day Sunday, Monday, Tuesday – off day Wednesday or corrections on Friday somewhere like it's just it messes up a yeah. whole football team yeah. schedule <laughs> corrections like like minutes after the game yeah twenty four yeah <laughs> at the <laughs> locker room you're if you're not doing media you get over there and you, we're going to start looking at this film sheesh I will admit though I the only reason I don't remember that game I was a relatively college football casual at that point okay um, I would say I I watched college football but I didn't like delve deep into it. You know, and I've I've always, you know, been around Auburn because, like, you know, you guys know I have a bunch of family here. Parents are from here, all that stuff. Sure. So I've been to the, you know, around the stuff, but I didn't get deep into really college football until, you know, probably, probably my freshman year of college, like really, really get into it um, because I was in college. So. Um, I've always been a big NFL guy. You know that. Yeah. I've, I've always oh, yeah. been. Yeah. So NFL was my world. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I never was. But, I, you know, obviously watching kick six, I watched, you know, the, all the big games. And I did watch Auburn games. But particular games. You not, weren't not living exactly. and dying on yeah. a Thursday night no, no, while they no, were playing no. in Manhattan, Kansas. No, sir, I was not. I was a freshman in the dorms. Uh, had not made the friends that I have now yet, so I was a, I was a loner. A loner. Uh, getting stressed out about a team that had very high expectations that was not scoring the football very well <laughs> uh, in Manhattan, Kansas. That's the other thing, too, is like I could sit up here and say, oh, you know, well, I wouldn't be – vehemently opposed against a road game on a weekday but then those environments are so good like that like that's almost why it's the temptation to say you know what let's do it one time to say we did it it's like every five or ten years or something like okay let's have something not on a saturday but as brooks point out the logistics of it are so are so uh overpowering or just just so yeah so daunting because you even though we never talk about this, this is a sports show. There is that school, you know. It is a university. That's ten minutes down the road. They have to operate, uh, and so it is. It would be. It would be difficult. I, other some schools figure it out. Look, the, obviously, it's not like no one plays a Thursday night game. That's important, but but still, it would be a big change. The best way you could do it is to have it at a school that has an off-campus stadium. Because yeah. yes. then you can have football over here, like South Carolina. You could have a Thursday night South Carolina game all you want. You want a football they're off game campus. at the Duck? Yeah. 
And so you, <laughs> like, you could throw, you could have football over here getting ready for Texas A&M South Carolina. I think that was a Thursday night game, wasn't it? Texas A&M South Carolina with Kenny Hill was the, st- the starting quarterback. That sounds right. And yeah. it was like the kickoff of the SEC Network because I vividly remember Brent Musburger, Musburger bringing in, "Welcome to college football on the SEC Network." Kenny Trill, the starting <laughs> quarterback, and I was like, "No, no, you can't give him a nickname before his first game." And it, Kenny Trill. Kenny, and he was he's the next. Could he be he the next very, Johnny Manziel? He was very well, n- narrated. Not he trill. was not the not, next Johnny Manziel. Very not trill. But like at a at a campus like South Carolina, where you've got the football the stadium away from the school, you can do it. You can have fun. Yeah. Do a Thursday night game. Yeah. Let's do it. But if you've got an on like a stadium like Auburn or Alabama or LSU that the campus is like surrounding the stadium, LSU maybe a little bit more because it's kind of like on the side of the campus. Yeah. But like other like got Auburn, a major Alabama, road that yeah. runs beside it, and you've got but campuses that are engulfed with the football stadium, it it logistically would be a nightmare. No, yeah, you know, I mean, again, <laughs> Haley Center uh, is dangerously <laughs> close to. Jordan Hare being smack in the center of Auburn. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no it, way. It, it, it again no would be way, logistically dude. challenging for sure. So I all that said, and we went on a long spiel there. I don't. I, I I would like Greg Sankey to go ahead and say, yeah, part of this new TV deal that starts in 2024, we're not we're we're sticking to Saturday. We're going to dominate Saturday. We're going to give you 11. Going to give you two or three. Give you five thirty. Give you eight o'clock. I don't care. Uh, although some people probably don't want eight o'clock games to be a little sleepy by the end of it. But um, I, I I still think you'd rather have an eight or eight thirty than an eleven a.m. I think I think everyone would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I just want him to say that SEC sticking the Saturday, that sort of thing. We will get to the Tennessee punishment in a little bit i don't know if we'll have time this hour we're going to keep rocking here for the final five minutes or so um we will talk about tennessee's penalty but that is something that uh will be interesting i think i think media will will talk about it. i also want to hear admittedly he may not give them much if he's asked i want someone to at least ask lane kiffin what happened again i just want i just want you know one more I want it out in the public. I just want to see if he'll give you anything, or I, I'm sure he won't. It'll be like, yeah, no, I never was going to go to Auburn. It's like, right. okay, that's well, probably a lie, right. but whatever. Probably a lie. I, I just want, I want, I want him you to see. Want, you want that closure, right? I, I, I just, but even so, and it's not like I'm so, I'm so desperate for Lane. I don't want to paint it that way because Hugh Freeze was the second option that I had, so I felt, I feel fine. But it is just more of that seemed for all the world like it was going to happen. Yeah. Would, and I really, and some people will tell you, it's really possible that that, that, uh, that reporter in Ole Miss in right. Oxford real, or wherever he's stationed in Mississippi yeah. really did change that equation. And I know that Kiffin will never go out loud and say that because he can't. I mean, you just can't because that would his own wow. players would, yeah, would be would, messed yeah. up in the head yeah. with that. But I, I just want him, I just want to see with my own two eyes how he reacts to that question, and he's going to be stoic and nonchalant. And why don't you just ask? I don't know because he because he's probably not going to give a good answer. Be like, bold. Like I, I I mean I'm not. It's not beyond me to ask questions. However, I in my <laughs> one chance to ask people things, I'm not like, hey, I want to get on someone's uh, hate list really yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, which I feel like Kiffin uh, Kiffin can do that and do it Definitely. in a playful way. And then right. I get flamed on Twitter. And I don't even use Twitter that much, and then it just <laughs> devolves into a whole thing. Uh, but but would like somebody just to just to pressure him a little bit on that. Again, that's not any indication of what's been happening or any poor indication in my view. I think everything the last seven months has been going as well as it could be expected. But uh, again, that was that was getting pretty close to a done deal in some people's eyes. Right. And then it uh, was no deal at all. So it's it's always a uh, an interesting situation. Thinking about any other storylines in the league, uh, you know, I, I I think we've already heard from A&M about they do want to play Texas. You know, that's yeah. going to be a fun rivalry to get rekindled here uh, once Texas joins the league. I don't think I expect to hear anybody be like, yeah, you know, I'm just really mad that uh, Texas is so close to the league. Right. Can't stand that. I, I saw yesterday, or maybe the day before, back to Big 12 media days, that Oklahoma State and Gundy are just giving it to Oklahoma about Bedlam not continuing. They're like, it's all their fault. They really? left the league. We don't have schedule space. They don't have ske- – or I don't think, know if they said they they don't have schedule, ba- schedule space and – I mean, Oklahoma State was just uh, Gundy yeah. was just, just burying yeah. Oklahoma for can't really blame them for honestly. Bedlam. I mean, again, it's not things we are unheard of and didn't expect to hear, but uh, that is going ones. to be a game that we're going to miss as yeah. just in college football. I agree. That's that's one of those ones, and uh, that that's unfortunate that they're not continuing it. I feel like that's one of one of the ones you kind of should maintain, try to maintain Oklahoma. Like that's your in-state rival. You know, it's bedlam. So, yeah, they. I I think they deserve it. I, I'm I'm on Gundy's side on this one. I think All right. they deserve it. I I do. You you got you have to maintain those rivalries, especially the in-state rivalries, and it shouldn't matter. It because it hasn't mattered wherever conference you go to. What however that you know moves about, and you got to maintain the the historic ones, and and bedlam is one of those. So. I'd have to look into exactly how much it's scheduled out for their non-con games. Obviously, the Big 12 is already playing nine right. conference games. And then there's that. Ten, and like. I want to see, again, we, we don't know what the SEC will do beyond 2024. Right. I certainly know what I hope it does. I personally, again, if I've not made this clear in the past, I feel like <laughs> I have. I want the nine games, and I want one mandated real game, too, like another Power five, power five, power five ish game. That would game. be fun. Um, because I, I still feel like okay, you get two of the lower tier right. teams. That still gives them paycheck games because everyone will want to play them at that point. Because I mean, they again, they the schedule will be so chalked full. They'll they'll want a couple breaks. It can still be your homecoming game. It could still be a senior senior day if you've got a tough one on the road the week following. The way uh, sometimes the Iron Bowl is. You know, like you can still space it if you want to open with a with a weak team, and then maybe have a weak team in the middle. Right. Again, you can still with two, you can still move it around. Right. You I still, still have the get it. To get a breather, right? And a warm up game. It's more. It's obviously more of a good thing. So it's more quality competition, and then that way, if one is mandated that you have to play another Power 5 team, then there's no excuse yeah. for these rivalries not to continue. Right. right. Well, well, I'd rather, if I'm a, if you're Oklahoma's like, oh, I'd rather, you know, play TCU. No, you wouldn't. No. You oh, I, oh I, I, I really want Nebraska. Huh? No, you don't. 
Why? What about Idaho? Or what about Illinois? Eh, Stop. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just random teams. Right. You know, play Oklahoma State at that point, and then it continues. Uh, to encourage all these SEC, ACC rivalries that yep. we've had for so long, Florida, Absolutely. Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Clemson, Kentucky, Louisville, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And so that way, you you still incorporate the ability to play some of these weaker teams. They still get their paychecks. We don't just ruin the entire structure of, of the sport. But we add one more competitive guaranteed game. Because right now we have nine, essentially. We have the eight conference games plus one kind of mandated Power 5 opponent. We're just, I'm just asking you to go up one. I'm not asking you to, to revolt against the whole schedule. But uh, I certainly will miss a game like Oklahoma Oklahoma State. And that's why, again, back to the media days thing one final time, I want to hear from various coaches, maybe the commissioner, on the thought process of if it did go to nine games, let's just theorize that it we will get there. At some point, the train will arrive at the station would you mandate still, like you do now, a, a, a non-conference Power 5 opponent? That would be yeah. my scheduling question beyond the obvious of, uh, will we ever get to nine? Assuming we get to nine, what will they do with that non-conference game? We are out of time here in hour number one. Stay tuned. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we will talk second half of the MLB season as we are just past the All-Star break. We'll talk about the Braves and the rest of Major League Baseball. And in hour number three, a what to watch for over the weekend, you're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of Sports Call. Really excited to be at SEC Media Days in Nashville next week. And, of course, we'll have a lot of live interviews 
for you and pre-recorded stuff next week with a lot of different personalities across the league. As promised, we want to get into a little bit of baseball here in hour number two as the second half of the MLB season starts today after the brief hiatus uh, for All-Star Week. I don't know if we really mentioned, I, I think I alluded to it, to open the Wednesday show. We did not really mention that all the Braves combined for one hit <laughs> in that All-Star game. Uh, they had half the team and uh, only mustered one hit, so it was very frustrating. Acuna had to fly out to the track, and Murphy had to fly out to the track, but yeah. not actual, uh, n- not making a big impact on the game, unfortunately. Well, the defense was good. Sure. I mean, yes. That's an impact on the game. Yes. Now, scoring-wise, maybe not, but they yeah, prevented it, things. It was a low-scoring game, so the defense didn't matter. But, uh, again, that's uh, still... A little sad to, to see. No, I think sure. it was a 1-for-11 total between the, the six guys or 1-for-12 total. <laughs> I think it was Austin uh, that got the hit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It, it uh, You want your guys to be be a big uh, part of the reason that they score runs, and, and that did not happen. But uh, with this second half starting, Braves at 60-29 and 29 on the season as a refresher. Obviously, that leads the National League. It's the most wins in baseball they lead the division by eight and a half over the marlins who have had a, a really good season to date 53 and 39 for the fish 48 and 41 are the phillies they are 12 out the mets are playing baseball they are 42 and 48 <laughs> they, are playing uh, they are 18 and a half and the nationals uh, are fielding a team this year as well they are 36 and 54 24 and a half out so no real challenge from the mets for nationals Hey, Billy, but look out. The Nationals are only one game below 500 on the road. Are they? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They're 21-22 and 22 on the road. They don't like being in Washington. Move them <laughs> to Montreal. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, to be fair, I bet when they are in Washington, it feels like an away game anyway. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that. No. Uh, I mean, they, they have perfectly fine crowds there i mean it's not it's not going to be good crowds when they're 20 under 500 essentially but i mean i don't really know of many baseball teams other than maybe tampa that have road crowd problems when they're good you know yeah i I mean because not even oakland because they're so far out there it's not like a bunch of east coast people live out there that's fair so i i i mean i don't know that but it's just they are not a a great baseball team (laughs) so Braves with a, a, a pretty comfortable lead. Obviously, it could be even larger uh, as 53-39 and 39 is the second-best record in the National League. The Marlins do have the second-best wow. record. Uh, so it, it really would be a double-digit lead any other division. But uh, Miami has played well. It's It's been pretty, pretty unexpected. I mean, they have some good players, but they're paying a half or a third of what the Phillies and the and the Mets are. Right. So we talked a little bit about this and we framed it in terms of like the biggest threat to the Braves, but I just want to frame it this way. Like between the Marlins, the Phillies, and I guess you can throw a bone in the Mets, but just like who gives you most confidence of of picking up a, at least one of those wild card spots beyond uh, if the Braves, assuming the Braves continue what they've been doing. I would say, and you're talking about in our in the Braves in the NL East, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I would I would definitely. I mean, it'd be obviously a toss up between the Marlins and and the Phillies, right? The Phillies are have been playing some really good baseball um, as of late. 
Um, they just have not been able to catch the Braves um, by any means. And the Marlins have been able to, you know, continue to tread water and, you know, win games, win series here and there and, and, and um, continue to get, you know, quality, a cure quality wins. Um, but I saw some stat where it was like the, the Phillies were went like, and they went like 17 and two or something like that. And they lost ground because the Braves were doing still so much better, um, in that exact same span. So it's just difficult for them to really catch catch up at all. The Braves would really have to start to struggle in this second half, um, to really, um, you know, even have, have a thought of giving up that, um, division lead. So I would think in terms of the wild card, it, yeah, it's a toss up between those two. Absolutely. I think the Mets are just, unless they, unless they catch like absolute fire, you know, cause I mean, how far, how far back were the Braves last season when we thought, you know, you know, Wasn't we were 10, 10, 10 ish. I thought I got yeah. to like 13 at one point, maybe, maybe it, I mean, it would not have been this late. Though. Right. I mean, it would have been right. May yeah. or, or June, early June. Um, so when, yeah, the, when I, the national East was declared that it was over. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think that, um, yeah, I think, I think the Mets are just too far gone. I think they're, I, they're struggling 18 and a half back. I mean, even still 10, 10 back from the Marlins. Um, and then, you know, saw a stat, I, I told you this off, off air, Ryan, the Mets going forward at, at, from this point on have the third hardest schedule, the Phillies, or excuse me, the, the Marlins have the fourth hardest schedule and the um, the Phillies have the 19th hardest schedule, and the Braves from this point forward have the eighth easiest schedule. So, you know, if you're the Braves, you're you're feeling pretty good um, because you're like, well, the two teams that two of the teams, one team that you thought was going to be the the truest threat is not a threat at all whatsoever. Has been extremely disappointing. They have an extremely tough schedule going forward. The team that could be a threat has a pretty has the next most difficult schedule moving forward. So they're going to have some some hiccups moving forward unless you know they push through and are able to continue to win games. Um, and then you have the Phillies, who again seem to be one of the hotter teams in the NL, um, just in terms of of where they've been. Just haven't been able to gain ground in their division, uh, in the division, but they've still been pretty solid. Um, and so. Yeah, with that, I I think they're yeah, it, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a good one. If you're the Braves, I think you're comfortable and you're sitting you're sitting happy. Yeah, I I think the big thing for the Braves is you can't come out and you know take the take the first series lightly. You got the White Sox this weekend. I know the White Sox are are not uh, the best of teams. They're they're 38 and 54 on the year, and they are. 12 and a half back in the wild card race for the NL of mm. the AL Central or for the AL. Um, so, but still, you can't take the first series lightly because if you come out and you uh, mess around with this first series uh, after the All Star break, you've been off, and you sa- say you lose the series to the to the White Sox, that could you know it, it may not, but it, it could start a, uh, a a bad trend of. Rolling, of dropping some games and Miami, you know they they are eight and a half back right now, but it's it that's not far enough that they can't uh, reach you. I think right now for the wild card, it is 
It is Miami. Right now is is nice. They're only three games up in the wild card, though. Phillies are a half game back of that third wild card spot, which is held by San Francisco right now. I would not be shocked if the way they've been playing, if Philadelphia can go on a run here yeah. and, and catch the Marlins for second. If yeah. the Braves keep playing not – even half of what they've been doing, I think they're fine. Uh, they're, they should be fine to win the win the division. Um, but I, I would say the right now you've got the, the the Marlins are sitting there with 53 wins. Arizona's got 52 wins, and San Francisco sitting there with 50 49 wins. The Dodgers are leading the West with 51 wins, and then you know you look. I, I think the once you get down on the list. To about I don't know forty mid forties wins maybe low forties wins right now you're starting to question if this team could make a wild, could could be in contention for the wild card here in the next month uh, because you know right now the within ten games of the wild card Phillies Brewers Padres uh, Cubs Mets Pirates everybody else the only the three other teams the Cardinals the Nationals and the Rockies are all above ten games back of the wild card. You're going to start seeing some of these teams drop off. Um, would you know the Mets if they can get something, something going? Maybe they could make a charge toward that second wild card spot. But uh, it's just they haven't they haven't proven anything this year that they can get it going. So I, I think the the biggest threat for for Miami right now is the Phillies if they get on a hot they continue their their uh, hot streak here. Um, but you know, like I said, if you're the Braves, you can't come out and say, "Oh, you know, we we won 60 games in the first half. We're cool." You, you still got to come out and you still got to play at a high level and not let anything slouch off here after the break. So when I'm looking at this, like I I certainly am hoping the Marlins can can hang in there to a wild card spot. If it's especially between if, if it's them and the Phillies, I think what they've done. Obviously, Luis Arise has been such a great story. True, hitting he's not only hit 400, but he's still hitting the 380s, and uh, that's still unheard of these days. Crazy. And with the lack of strikeouts, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I appreciate what he's doing a lot. They've had he a hit lot so well still in the All Star game too. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, he just can't stop. He, you know, they've had big contributions from Jorge Soler, who's had a good power season for Miss them. Him. They've been able to have a good year without Sandy Alcantara pitching well at all. I mean, he was the Cy Young winner last year. He's got a four-something ERA this year. He's not been himself. Uh, I just look down at two insane disappointments. We talk about the Mets aspect of it a lot because of their being, being a division rival, their, the banter between the two fan bases. The San oh, Diego Padres, Padres yep. have been – Equally dreadful Abysmal. this year. I know that I, I know that the Padres do not typically have the expectations that the Mets do, but this year they did because of their payroll. It's one of the highest payrolls, if not the highest, the Padres have ever had. They've got a nucleus of expensive but great play, uh, hitters in Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and. That team, it doesn't pitch well. It doesn't have the depth in the lineup you would think that having three stars would maybe help you have because uh, even someone like Nelson Cruz has, has finally aged a little bit for them. I mean, they've, they've been so disappointing. Um, for, again, and, and why I think it's almost – why I think it's equally disappointing as New York 
is yeah, the Mets have the biggest payroll and they have big expectations and it's the Mets and there's always going to be, you know, again, the, those heavy expectations being in that market. But the Padres don't typically spin like this. Like this is one of their first ventures into spending yeah. a lot of money into they, they've been <laughs> they so were, aggressive this was all in like yeah even <laughs> dating back to the braves trade when they sold about seven or eight years ago and they got the uptons and they got craig kimball from atlanta it they have been trying this now it feels like it's the nl version of the angels honestly where they've got this star power and they are pretty high up there in payroll and they're just getting nothing for the star power that they have. Yeah, I mean, they, they just, just can't have, put it all together. Because they, they, they have solid pitching as well, right? Uh, I mean, they did. They've had did. some injuries, but, you know, Blake yeah. Snell has been fine. Snell, right. Um, they, 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 do they still have Josh Hader? I believe so. Yeah, he's still their closer. Yeah, their closer. He's, he's still on uh, uh, Sonny's, Sonny Gray's Anatomy fantasy team. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Still, uh, still okay. holding down the fort for uh, your bullpen? Yep. My but, one bullpen pitcher, basically. And, and I forgot, too. I, 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 was, I felt I was forgetting name. Remember, they signed Xander Bogarts. They've right. got four Bogarts, yep. of the best, I don't know, 20 hitters in the league or somewhere in there. I know that's kind of an arbitrary number for the top 25, no, something in there. Right. I mean, like that's, that's a real lineup there. They're paying a lot for that lineup. And then pitching-wise, I was double-checking, yes, Blake Snell is the team leader in an ERA and – in innings, and he's actually has been good. His low threes. They still have you Darvish, uh, who has not been good at all. He has a nearly five ERA. Joe Musgrove ain't bad either. Like this team, this team should be really good. Listen, it's not been though. Uh, you, would you like some in-depth research that I did last night in preparation for the potential of you bringing this up today? Yeah, I, I I've I've got a theory of why the Padres are bad. It's the Bachelorette curse. <laughs> like Excuse the, me? The show, The Bachelorette. What? 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 I'm so, so curious. Here's here's my theory, all right? The Bachelorette this year features an Auburn grad, Cherry Lawson. I'm in the middle of watching it with, uh, with the wife. Episode three, which they filmed, they started filming in mid to late March and was done by mid to late April. Like they, they flew through this right before baseball season started. Episode three, there was an episode film, or part of it was filmed inside Petco Park. Really? There was a, a one-on-one date with her and the guy that, I don't know if everybody doesn't like him. I haven't gone that deep into bachelor Bachelorette lore. Into, nor you know, should you. No, nor should I. But me and Grace do not like him. Like, he's not, he's not our favorite. But they had, a, they had a, a date inside Petco Park. And now my theory is that the Bachelorette cursed the Padres for this year because they did a one-on-one date inside Petco Park before the season started. Prove me I'm wrong. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be able to prove <laughs> you wrong because I what a theory. know nothing about anything when it comes to Same. the yeah. various Bachelor yeah, shows. I'm just saying, it's a curse. They cursed deep it. deep in that Bachelor life. I'm figuring this out, Brooks. I, I, listen, I start <laughs> connecting dots there. Padres are bad. <laughs> Bachelorette went there for a for a oh date. Oh my gosh, it's like it's like they were that. on the yeah, field. Yeah, sorry, Seth Lugo, you're bad because the Bachelorette yeah, was there. This, yeah, listen, that's that's the theory from this side of the table. That is certainly one of the theories. The out Mets, there. I don't know what you're doing. They didn't. I, they have a, yeah. I don't have a bachelor bachelor uh, TV show thing for you. Oh, Do you think so it's going to be an active trade deadline? Ooh, yeah. Well, oh, that's interesting. 
you know, there's the a lot of there's a there's a lot of people saying Otani could get moved yeah, by the deadline. That's, that's there, the biggest thing. There's a lot of big. There's big <laughs> I names. Don't know. There's some big I've names. I've seen. Oh, I've seen some of the stuff with the Braves. I don't know, man. There's some I, big names out there saying it too. Like I know Buster Olney's been yeah. talking about it a little bit that he that uh, Otani could get moved. I think if I, I think it could be an active deadline, but if Otani gets moved wherever he goes. I think the rest of the teams that are contenders in that division are going to get real active real quick. So like, yeah. un- uh, unless um, you're really confident in your lineups, like let's say if he gets moved to the Yankees, because that's one of the big, big ones, yeah, right. the Yankees trade for him. The Rays, I they feel like they could be confident in what they've got. Yeah. Also don't want to pay a lot yeah. of money for the payroll probably are capped and who they could actually acquire the who else is uh what where else we're standing here the orioles well, i mean baltimore's not far behind tampa but I mean, like ahead of new york right now they the love Ray, their young guys yeah the Rays should go get nolan Arenado. and then the red Sox could they're right there with the yankees for the wild card they're two games back of the wild card the yankees are one game back of the wild card and so toronto all the teams i you know what the whole if the if otani goes to the yankees Everybody except for maybe Tampa, because I think Tampa likes what they've got right now, could be get real active and start start trying to acquire some people. Yeah. The problem with uh, again Tampa he's, he's is expensive. that Arenado contract yeah. is five years, one hundred forty four million. Yeah. He, and their payroll is about that. That's about thirty million a year, and that's about a third of the rate oh payroll right there. That's so that insane. would that would add thirty three percent more payroll. Just You're so guy. cheap, but how are you <laughs> winning all of these games? Yeah, I mean, no, it's impressive uh, oh, for sure. My I look, goodness. I, I, that's why I asked because now and then, actually, if there's a earth shattering trade slash the trading deadline day, are the only days that we would really talk MLB trade deadline. And I'm I'm I've been reading what you've been reading. I've been there's. There's some smoke now for the first time in the last couple right. of days. And I don't know the Otani to New York bit. That's also kind of just manufactured from the media point of view because, okay, well, we only think there's a few teams that can afford them. Yeah. Obviously, the Yankees are one of those handful of teams. The Yankees are always aggressive. If the Yankees are not en route to winning a world title, they're going to be criticized. Therefore, what can they do to not be criticized? What can they do to be fixed or fix it? Well, they need a bigger fix than in years past because Judge has been hurt so much, and right. Stanton Stanton might be done. I mean, Stanton might might be over the hill, and yeah. Donaldson. Don, <laughs> remind me about Josh Donaldson in a second. <laughs> they, they've had a lot of issues, to put yeah. it lightly, and so they need something more drastic. And obviously, Otani would be incredibly drastic. I mentioned last week we had a, a nice long segment on Otani, and I whispered calmly, you know, not to cause a stir that stir, maybe stir, the Angels stir, should stir, think stir, about stir, this. Stir, 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 stir. And maybe the Angels should think about trading. It started him. with Ryan. Yeah, they heard I mean, you. Maybe, you know, Ryan Brooks has his bachelorette theory. Maybe I'm here. Ryan was the beginning of the Otani trade talks. You know, Jeff always gives me some some props for my GMing skills, and uh, m- maybe I'm maybe I'm in the ear of some of these GMs. Like, you know what? Maybe you should get a generational return for a generational player if you're not going to re-sign them. Maybe maybe so. I don't know because right now as it sits, the Angels they've lost some steam because Trout got hurt. Right. You know what they are? They're 45 and 46 now. Yeah. You know what they are in their last 10? One and nine. Oh, they're done. 
Okay, they were 44 and 37. That was not a bad place to be in. As a matter of fact, at that time, they were tied with the Astros. Yep. They were they fine. Were, they it were was solid. not bad. Yep. And now they plummeted to fourth in that division. If you look in the wild card standings, they were five out of a playoff spot and they got seven teams in the, or excuse me, six teams in the way. Right. They're Be- not going the playoffs. Yeah, because before it's not that, happening. right? Because before before Trout got hurt, you know, they like you said, they were yeah, fine. They were fine. And people were talking about how they were going to make a trade to bring in some help to solidify themselves so that they can make that push to make the playoffs to then make the the convincing conversation for Otani to, to get him to stay. And so well, now and they it's did. the exact they, opposite. They made two moderate trades where they acquired Aguado Escobar from the Mets. Okay. Okay, who's a 25-home run hitter. And then Mike Moustakis from, I believe, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And they both played like 12 games now. I mean, they had just made the trades right. like five days before Trout oh, got hurt. Tough. Or about a week before right. Trout got hurt. And so, like, they had real depth to the lineup. They had Otani and Trout, obviously, but then they had Hunter Renfro, who has 15 homers. Right. Brandon Drury, who has 14 homers. They then obviously had uh, a contact hitter like Giovanni Urshela, who's been a 300 hitter in the past, hitting 299 this year in 62 games. And then they made those Moustakis and Escobar trades. Like, they were <sighs> so attempting yeah. to build a real thing. So it was essentially there. garbage timing and yeah. Mike Trout's I mean, made part out of it. Of glass and so i'm telling you if start some of it is the agent and otani have to be open like you you like you got to sit down and have a real conversation and be like hey we're probably not coming back to la right we're, we'll consider your offer but, but we don't yeah. expect to be taking your yeah, offer and then la at that point needs to say all right well then with that knowledge yeah Let's get Pivot. six of your top eight prospects in an organization. Because I thought about this too last night, and maybe th- maybe this had been also obvious to everyone out there. Maybe I'm just slow here. But you know why prospects were such a big deal in these trades in Major League Baseball? It's because in Major League Baseball, you can't make the draft day trades like you can in the other two big sports. Sure. Oh, the three big yeah, sports. You can even do it in the NHL where you trade draft picks. Right. You, you can only trade a very small, like the first round pick in Major League Baseball. There's very, And that was only for, maybe that was only temporary. I don't know if you can even trade. I didn't see any this year. Yeah, I don't even know if you can, I think that might have been temporary. But you right. certainly cannot be trading like multiple picks and all that stuff. Where in the NBA, you're trading picks five, six, seven years in advance. You're swapping, you're restricting, you're doing all these th- things. In the NFL, you covet even an extra third-round pick. It's like gold to you. Mm-hmm. The, right now, the only picks that can be traded, only tradable draft picks for the MLB, is the competitive balance picks. Okay, so, so you can't, you even, can't even trade yeah. your own picks. It is if you've lost a free agent, then you can trade that pick. So in other words, there's really no trading of picks. You can't do it. And so the only way... If you have misevaluated your own young players that you drafted, the only way to try to get more of them is to make trades like this. Because in the other leagues, you can just get more cracks at it. Oh, we messed up on this guy. Well, let's trade for let's trade our vet and have three cracks at it next time. Or again, like the NFL, let's go grab two third round picks and that sort of thing, or get an extra fifth and you know, whatever. In baseball, you can't do that. And so that's why in these trades, it's not big leaguers usually going back for the big players because in these other leagues it's like yeah you got to give them a young good player or or something and then a bunch of draft assets well you don't have the draft assets so it's got to be all young prospects and so if you're the angels you're taking 
as many prospects as you can get, it's probably fair to ask for a, a current big leaguer, and you probably want that in the package. This is a once-in-a-generation type of player. Mm-hmm. You know, There's no guarantee there's going to be <laughs> someone that can do both the way Otani can for yeah. a very, very long time. So there, in the same way Otani is going to ask for a contract that we've never seen before, the Angels are fair to at least ask once they go to market, if they decide to go to market, to ask for the biggest trade package ever. I mean, that that's only logical uh, stepping stone. Now, the problem is teams only have three months of control, not three years, not a year. Right. They have three months before he's free agent. Three that's months. why it's only makes it, it might not make sense for non-New York or Dodgers, or potentially Brave or Mariner team to yeah. do that. You notice I threw in the Mariners. Did you see the bit? Because he lives there. Ah, in the yeah, season. because he likes Seattle. Yeah, he said that too. And Seattle's kind of a Seattle, younger up and coming yeah, team. Yeah. So I, I want to. If so you have a dark horse outside the major market, Seattle might be popular in among there. Asian Americans out there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so anyway, I'm just saying that trying to put all the tea leaves together that. That's going to be discussed. I'm not going to promise you an Otani trade, but I'm, and if I'm the Angels, you have to you have to talk about it. Yeah, uh, got to get him in. The speaking room. of the Angels, uh, Anthony Rendon is going to the IL with a shin Yo, contusion. Well, that's nice, done. incredible timing. Oh, cause that that organization, oh, so I don't know good. if they've done some voodoo stuff or, or some <laughs> negative voodoo stuff. <laughs> I don't I, know. It doesn't I, make I, sense. I, I don't they, know. They I, make some crazy backdoor deal that yeah. nobody knew about, and so now they're paying for it. I mean, all these free agents poverty. they paid. All yeah. these free agents they paid. I mean, again, pull holes. Like, look, go just, just don't even look at the home run column. Look at the batting average column from St. Louis to then L.A. It's astounding how quickly it dropped off, and it right. never came back. He has power was fine when he was healthy for a few years. But his batting average, it went from like 310, 320, 330, 320, 330, 310, 270. Just automatically like that, just just boom, below 300. Yeah. Uh, and it did not come back. Uh, is Brooks, you looking at it right now? I was going to say, his last year in St. Louis, he batted 299. Right. But then, I think it might have been his worst year in St. Louis. But then it, yeah, it it, it was, and then it just it two eighty five, two fifty eight, two seventy two, two forty four, two sixty eight, two forty one, two forty five, yeah. two forty four. He never hit three hundred again or two thirty six, one ninety eight, two fifty four, two seventy. Yeah, so two ninety nine is last year in St. Louis. He never hit above two eighty five in L A. And again, two ninety nine had been his career low. I was going to say he. He his first year in LA two eighty five his last year as an Angel was one ninety eight yeah my goodness so that I mean like the most pro- prolific consistent hitter the sport had did not did not play that well most of his time as an Angel three time MVP they've also had guys like Rendon who's just been injured all the time they remember they paid gobs of money to Justin Upton for a little while and that didn't really work. I mean, they have given out these contracts. And honestly, if I'm the Angels, I probably just want a hard reset. Let's just stop. You might as well. Let's just stop spending the money on exterior guys. Let's work on building interior guys at this point. Uh, any other trade deadline deals that we might see happening uh, before we get to our – we need to take a break at some point this hour, so we'll take one just a moment. Yeah. I, I was thinking of – 
Because you, I mean, you got to look at the teams that are bad, right? I mean, you're not looking at teams that are in playoff position. I now he got an extension this year. I always like Brian Reynolds of Pittsburgh because he was a he's a two ninety three hundred right, hitter. and he had requested a trade at the beginning of the season, right. and then they they gave him his right. contract. Yeah, um, but I I wonder about someone like Brian Reynolds because Pittsburgh was sneaky good sure. when the they signed the him. Yeah, and now they've reverted back to something more along the lines of what was projected of them. Right, I think if somebody like you know would they move Andrew McCutcheon? because it's maybe his last year, put him back in a good situation, or maybe he just wants to retire a pirate. I, I bet she does. Even if they're, even if they're bad. So you look at something like that. Uh, you also look at, like, I don't think the Mets will sell, even if they are not buyers. I just I, It would be such a, yeah. a tail-between-the-legs item. Any chance that the White Sox move uh, Luis Robert, Roberts? Uh, maybe. Yeah. He's so young. He is. Isn't this his second full year? Yeah, I think so. That would be my hesitation too, because like you don't even know. I would have thought if anything, like Tim Anderson might make more sense. Right. But then again, I though Chicago's not had a big selling appetite. I mean, it's it's another big market. It takes a lot for them to want to sell. I was going to say we talked about this team a little bit earlier, but because there have been a disappointment, do you think the the Padres could be sellers? Because I've seen. I think they're just going to keep trying. I've, I've I seen think the they've Blue, got a rock with this for uh, the last couple I, of years. I think got, I've seen the Blue Jays are interested in Nelson Cruz. Okay, and, well, I mean, yeah, you could sell that. He's like 40 years old. And then Go I was ahead. I was looking at CBS. this article from CBSSports.com. The Phillies may be interested in Juan Soto. Well, I'm interested in Juan <laughs> Soto, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. I, I mean... Nolan Arenado. Yeah, the, the, so last on the Padres, and we will get the Cardinals... Because I think the Cardinals are the one to watch. Mm-hmm. I just think that with San Diego, they're too invested for yeah. long-term contracts to get off of them right now. They, they, Tatis is young. Soto's young. I yeah. know. I know. We've he been aware like of him it. for a while. Yeah, he's still mid twenties. He's not old, uh, or even in danger of being old. Machado's 31, 32, I think. Yeah. And Bogart's somewhere around there. So that that's those are the two you'd probably want to watch like next year if we're if we're in rinse and repeat mode of the Padres being disappointing, but man, I Cruz fine. He's not. He might not even play baseball next year. I don't <laughs> go ahead. Like that's right. fine. Pull that uh, trigger. But those main four bats and Blake Snell and Josh Hader, though you, what you gotta. I know this has been weirdly bad. I wouldn't write that off yet. The Cardinals though. I think the Cardinals have to think about full sale with both Goldschmidt and Arenado because you've got to look at this as they are both on the wrong side of 30. Yep. And can the Cardinals realistically expect in two or three years to be where they need to be? And if not, then go ahead and trade them because they're going to be expensive for several years. And at any year... If they start to decline, then you're paying big money to a big star that's not even playing like a big star. Right now, they're still playing like stars. They're still incredibly valuable. Uh, I mentioned Arenado signed through 27. I don't know when Goldsmith signed through, but Goldsmith, I think, might be a year or two older even than Arenado is. So, um, again, low, early to mid-30s. And I, I would I would, I'd do it if I was St. Louis because they're not even close. I guess your argument is that the division's not as great. Right. You know, Cincinnati's now taking charge of the division. That doesn't seem like a necessarily, like, I don't want to say real thing, but a 
Somebody's a got a scary win. thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, but I would probably sell. I don't know who would be in the market. I mean, again, the Yankees would be in the market for a lot of things. I did not forget Josh Donaldson. I think he set the record. I'm trying to remember what the exact terms of the record were. were. It was like least amount of hits with a certain amount of homers before the All-Star break. I think he'd hit like 10 homers on like 14 hits <laughs> this year. It's like everything he hits. Yeah, I, he's hitting like 140. He was injured for a good bit. And I think it's mo- I think it's least amount of hits with double-digit homers before the All-Star break, something like that. Uh, so he has just been awful, and I think that he he's just done. Um, so they so that would make sense for Arenado if the Yankees wanted yeah, to pony up for Yankees, that, but not Otani because yeah. the Yankees. If the, I, I'm just telling you right now, here's what would happen if George Steinbrenner was running the team. If George Steinbrenner was running the team, they'd trade for Arenado in two weeks, and then come November the 20th, they'd sign Shohei Otani to the richest contract in MLB history. That's if George Steinbrenner was still alive and running the team. With these goobers, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what will end up happening uh, if they'll make the, the necessary move there. I'm trying to think because it is such a weird dynamic to have Tampa as one of the great teams. Atlanta's so chalk full, like you couldn't even think of how Atlanta would want to upgrade other than, oh, here's a lefty specialist reliever. Yeah, that's, that's you know, really or something bad. like that. Like there's no big name that would even fit into what the like. Of course, you'd find some. You you'd be like, all right, Ozuna, just go ahead and be the hitting coach. Otani's here to DH yeah, now. Like obviously, right. you you do that, but there's no need to do anything in the Braves lineup. Right. Um, and then. I'm thinking of AL teams. Could the Astros get spunky? Could they Could they look for, for something else? What would they need if they looked for something else? A trash can? <laughs> pitching? <laughs> I, I, yeah, oh pitching would seem God. fair. The, the default answer when you're like, what are we? What can we get? What more do you, this team need? Pitching? Yeah, pitching. no team's like, yeah, we're, we're good on pitching. No more pitching needed. No more bullpen. Yeah. Oh, that's no funny. team has ever said that. That's fair. We need to finally take a timeout in hour number two. I've been, we've been rambling and rambling and rambling. So we're going to take our one and only timeout here in hour number two. When we come back, we will reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn.
Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. As we've got just a few minutes left here in hour number two, we've had a lot of the... Ow. It's 4.45? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We were just talking shop, man. I love it. We were just talking some some baseball. Dude, that's crazy. Two hours just like that. <laughs> you heard dude. me say four or five minutes left in the hour. I was like, what is he on? Yeah, right? I was like, dude, hey, we only took one time out. and Oh. Mess. Yeah. No, it uh, it flies by quickly. All right, that's fine. Again, and I could talk about the trade, anyone's trade deadline. Oh, uh, yeah, it, If all three oh, of them come up. Then I'll talk about any of them. Major League Baseball is probably talking about which is more active. That sort of thing. You know, NBA, NBA free agency is the most right. In, yeah. You know, when you talk free agency, you think NBA. When you talk trade deadline, there's like a specific point in time trade deadline. Then it's MLB. It's just been the, the they've had the hot stove shows for so long. There right. are there are guys changing hands. I don't know why teams feel like they have to wait till the like the last two days. It's so this. annoying. <laughs> You know, I mean, for real, for real, I, I agree. It just like all of a sudden they're just like waiting, waiting. waiting they, they wait for a hundred games to go by, I mean, basically before they they make these decisions. Okay, there's ten hours left. Let's do it now, yeah, now, now. Let's like, figure out this deal. Come on, come on, come on. a.m. <laughs> this Starbucks that's not actually open yet <laughs> has uh, me staring at the window as the employees prepared to roll in has made me realize that I need to make this trade. Free agency ends in 10 minutes my, and like you, you see 20 trades my, go through. My coffee's gotten cold. I'm now cold on this trade partner. I'm out. Yeah. I'm going to back out. Uh, but anyway, uh, that that's the dynamic of the trade deadline sometimes. Just a couple minutes left in the hour. We want to reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Atlanta Braves catcher Sean Murphy is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The all-star catcher led the White Hot Braves to another great week, finishing off a sweep of the Marlins and taking two out of three from the Guardians and Rays. In those games, Murphy had a batting average of .467, slugging three homers and driving in seven runs. Behind a strong surge from Murphy, the Braves entered the all-star break with the best record in the majors, becoming the first team to reach 60 wins on the season. Sean Murphy is Sports Call. Player of the Week. Thank you to Mr. Brant Dontry for recording that as always. Is Sean Murphy this week's Player of the Week. We This is one of the rare times where I was not um, inappropriate in waiting all week <laughs> as I've been, been doing lately and waiting until Thursday or Friday. There were no games played. So uh, right. he nothing else had, had really happened. And uh, again, Sean Murphy from last week had another toward week, and it really it just the production of the catcher spot. If if it's more yeah. Murphy one week, then it's Darno the next, and vice versa. And one goes down with a little bit of a, a nagging injury for seven to ten days. You put the other one in there, and, and you no haven't missed a beat. Yeah, almost no drop off whatsoever. It's it's pretty insane. Uh, Sean Murphy might have the personality of a cup of mayo, but. He, that dude can throw a ball. She said he had a he, personality of a cup of mayo. Yeah, man. He's dude. Have you seen him in his interviews? He's just so like, just like, doesn't do anything. He's just, sure. Yeah, very short. Very the the way he answers, but uh, just you know, you see all the guys with just so much personality when they answer and things like that. Sean's not like that. <laughs> he just uh, play baseball. Yeah, just, yeah. Dude's just out there to play some baseball, and he plays baseball very, very well. Um, last week just absolutely tore it up, um, and let's hope he continues when we, uh, when the Braves play the White Sox tonight. Yeah, uh, Brooks again. Sean Murphy 
what a luxury the Braves have had to have him hit the way that he's hit on top of all of the defense that we all expected him to play. Oh yeah, it, it's um, you know when you brought there was a there was a contingency of Braves fans that were not uh, a big fan of the move when it first happened, um, but it he's he's quickly came in and established himself as a as a really really hot commodity for the Braves. Um, he's garnered uh, attention almost every single week that he's uh, been with the Braves when it comes to uh, what he's done offensively, and he's a really good defensive catcher too. It, it's 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 uncanny that the Braves have been able to get him, and the the fact that you've got Murphy and then Darno as your backup is is phenomenal, and it's a position that you know they they then went they signed him to a extended deal right after yes, like they yep. did Olson last year, yep. um, and so you lock him up for a few years. And if he can continue to hit at this at this clip over the next couple of years, the Braves are, are sitting pretty for at the catcher position. Yeah, I mean, I think the Braves would have been content and okay to have Darno be their main catcher coming into this year, but uh, they then felt like they had money to spend when they did not re up Dansby Swanson. So the Sean Murphy contract is a six year, seventy three million dollar deal. Which again, honestly, I mean, for Steel. an average of about twelve, thirteen million a year, and you got Steel. and listen to this too. I love this for the club. When his age thirty four season twenty twenty nine club option of fifteen million, so he's controlled through his age thirty four season now twenty thirty is when he becomes a unrestricted free agent, and so again twelve, thirteen million dollars a year for one of the top catchers, top two way catchers in the league. Uh, is an, another wonderful deal by Alex Anthopoulos and the Atlanta Braves. Just gets away with highway robbery. That's just no. There's just no <laughs> other way to put it. The way he locks up these players, and they're like, "Yeah, let's do it." But I'm down. Maybe they're in it to win. Go Braves. Go Braves. At the end of the day, we are out of time for hour number two. When we return in hour number three, we'll have a few more topics for you, including a want to watch for over the weekend. Stay tuned. More sports call after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here for the final hour of the show for the week. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll have a what to watch for over the weekend as we have various uh, sports continuing and getting back underway, including Major League Baseball. Getting excited about SEC Media Days in Nashville coming up here starting on Monday. What we, what's the count? Like 34 tables on Radio Row? Yeah, 30, like 30, uh, yeah 34 tables on Radio Row. Uh, last, year, last year there was 35, so we, we've lost one brave soul. We lost the Orange Bowl, I think. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, there's no telling when Dallas or – it is, is, is it Dallas or Houston? That's that is rumored. being rumored for Dallas. next year. Dallas. Dallas. Okay. Houston um, would be lit. Yeah. At, the Dallas but it, would be sound and you know what? just as good. The, the, you've, I've went back and looked. We're, I mean, I don't know how uh, how much of a ranking system it is, but we're kind of moving up the seniority ranks here with, the, with being there for several years because we were at table 24 last year. And this year we're at table 20, so they moved Is it done up. by seniority? I don't know. I just like to think of it that way. I mean, I seriously want to get to the bottom of – of why they I do mean, what they do. I mean, I, I wouldn't I, mind knowing. Because uh, 680 The Fan is always number one, is always table right. one. And, so, and Jocks is always up there, too. Yeah, so I wonder, you know, like it I, can't be that they're always the first, first one to pay. to pay. So, like, you know, just saying. Yeah, I was doing quick uh, maps, and I got sad. <laughs> so this is going to be about a five-hour journey for us from Auburn. Houston, do you recall how long that is? I, it was a while because we made that – we almost made that trip. We we got outside of Houston. Um, gosh, was it nine? Yeah, it's nine and a half hours by map. Ugh. Remember, map does not – Factor. Factor in pit stops, of which over nine and a half hours, you can't go that consecutively, even if you could hold the bladder and uh, not eat and all that stuff. The car's <laughs> not going to go that far uh, without getting gas. It needs to eat, too. So that's nine and a half hours. Do you know how far Dallas is? Oh, gosh. I don't even want to know. Uh, 14? Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry. About it. Not, oh. no, not bad. no, no, no. It's closer. Right. It's we just, can make it then. It's just a little longer. It's 10 hours in a minute, it says oh. from right now. Still, Still double that's digit. All, that's all day in the car. Still double what we're going to do Nashville. Basically, to and from Nashville is, is a Dallas. I'm not going to think about that. We're going we're, we're gonna to stay on this year. We're gonna stay with uh, this media days coming up. Maybe it'll be in the. There's another rumor running around out there that it's New Orleans next. Ooh. So, oh, so that'll be interesting. I mean, he will announce it, right? I'm not. Maybe uh, did they announce it last year at media days? See, I didn't think they did, but then Sankey was acting like they had, and I don't remember. Like, like I'm saying, we had an interview with him, and it was like a. It was just he just kind of said it. And it was yeah. like, oh, I didn't, oh, okay, type of deal. So I don't know. I, I, I really don't think that there is an announced place, though. So I think they will probably announce it. Uh, it's it's also just a logical time. Like, you don't need, like, on the middle of October, hey, by the way, we're seven games into this year, but next year's media days is going to be so-and-so. Uh, I would probably prefer New Orleans, and just based off proximity. I'm just going yeah. to be Yeah, I would prefer based 14. off of food. 
Well, that's true. You like Cajun food. I, when I went down there for the Sugar Bowl a few years ago, 2016, 2017, uh, you had to peel me out of the French Quarter food dis- food area. Fair. Like, it was, it, I wasn't leaving. That's fair. Wasn't leaving. You have to peel me out of the French Quarter living-wise right now. Mm. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh. So that's a little joke. Um, I think that as far as destinations that the league could go to, Power, a brief power ranking here. No interest whatsoever. Sorry about it in St. Louis. Too far. Don't need it. Why? Just again, I don't. And also, I want to make sure that we can actually pull off these trips. And the further out it goes, the more of a challenge it is. And I just no. The Texas cities are big. I get it. And the league certainly is going to go there. Like it's a matter of time. If it doesn't right. happen next year, it's it's going to happen the year after. The year after, it's going to happen. So I'm not crazy about the Texas cities, but I know it's coming, and that's the fate, and that's okay. New Orleans would be high up the list. Really, don't know of anywhere in South Carolina that's big enough. Honestly. Charleston, maybe. Like maybe. I, I think Charleston would be kind of fun. Yeah. But I don't know if uh, if that's probably the move for it. North you Carolina see, doesn't make say, sense. There's no team there. I was going to say the, the Carolinas, the closest thing would be Charlotte, but like that's where ACC Media Days yeah. is. And unless you just want to go like, hey, we're taking over your city too. too. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I, so I can't see that. Atlanta is obviously the only place you would go in Georgia. I mean, Florida, you have – a bunch of big cities. I mean, if you wanted to go to Jacksonville or you wanted to go to Tampa, I know the league's had some SEC basketball tournaments in Tampa. Uh, then uh, you know I'm all about that. But uh, that that if you had it, Lord forbid, I don't see this happening. <laughs> if you had it in Miami, that trip is just as far as Florida. It wouldn't feel, or excuse me, just as far as Texas. It wouldn't feel like it because you're. We're in a state that borders state. Florida, yeah. but it's as far down there as it gets. And uh, I can tell you, it takes seven hours from here to Tampa. It's like another three to Miami. I don't even need to look at the map. It's 10 plus hours from here. So it's it's not ideal. Or it, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's 950. Don't quote me on that part of it. But it's, a, it's as long as going to Houston or, or to Dallas. So the moral of the story is Media Days continues to get further and further from home. Uh, in Birmingham, great, same state. In Atlanta, fine, same distance. Different state, but same distance. Nashville, oh, okay. Buzzing city, fun city. A little bit further, though. New Orleans would be, that'd be four to five hours, wouldn't it? Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. So same type of deal. Yeah. Then you start going further west. Actually, maybe a little further than that. I think it's further than, I, I'll, I think I'll, it's I'll research. five. Uh, so, I... Anyway, I'm just saying this. We're, we're emphasizing this media days because, again, we just don't know where it's going to end up. We don't know if uh, if it'll work out for us in years in the future. So we're taking full advantage of this year. We're going to do a, a lot of great stuff in Nashville. With a reported accident on I-65 right now, right around Evergreen, it is right at five hours. Okay. So between four and a half and five, depending on that accident. Oh, yeah. Seems fair. Also, we're mapping this 5 o'clock, by the way, yeah. <laughs> on, rush, a, on a weekday. Rush hours in Montgomery, Mobile, and New Orleans. Yeah. 
So same could be said uh, going to those Texas cities. Maybe you can shave 15, 20 minutes off, depending on, on uh, which day it is. But uh, anyway, uh, that is going to be something that I have a vested interest in just because of our locations and our travels. I know to the, the viewer at home, that would make no hill of beans difference whatsoever if, unless you're living in one of those cities or very, very near one of those cities. Uh, but, you know, it... it uh, it is interesting. I, if it is seniority, then I, then we are moving up the, the list there in terms of I, I, table numbers. I mean, it make me, makes me feel better if I sure. just say it that way. Why not? Uh, the the homestanding team is technically Vanderbilt. The team that will probably have the most fans, I would assume, would be Tennessee. You know, this is the first time that uh, – and I'd have to go back and look. This may be the first time that somebody actually has a, a true home game. Because Birmingham, yeah. there's no SEC team there. Nope. There's no Maybe SEC team in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, Georgia Tech, they were an SEC team, but they sure. they got out. And then there's Nashville. Yeah. So and Vandy, <laughs> Vandy's the most fair one for it to happen to because it's not not that real of an advantage. Again, there's going to be more Tennessee fans in Nashville than Vandy fans for sure. But that brings us to the other thing we want to talk talk about today, uh, as promised in the three o'clock hour is the, the Tennessee news today uh, and their violations stemming from the Jeremy Pruitt McDonald's bags. It was McDonald's bags, right? Yeah, it was but, McDonald's bags. Right? Get a... Uh, They're classy. Mick 100, you know? A Mick Bill. A Mick Bill. You know? Mick Bill. <laughs> Just a Mick bag. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I think that, as I've deceased Cam over here, uh, all oh. of that is what came to a head today by the NCAA and by their ruling against Tennessee, against Jeremy Pruitt. Tennessee had already self-imposed a bunch of scholarships. The NCAA tacked on a few more. What was it, 28 scholarships over yeah. five years? Yep. Is that the correct number? Yes, sir. $8 million fine and no bowl ban. And then Jeremy Pruitt's six-year show cause, which is one of the longer show causes I can I can recall. There it. was like 18 level one violations in one area, four more in another, bunch of other secondary violations. There's 20-something level one violations. That's a ton of level one violations. It. Some people definitely are always out for blood in these and, and wanted a bolt man or something. I like that the very... Here's what I do like. I like that Pruitt has a, a show cause that's incredibly long. Okay, because Pruitt's at heart of what was going on here. We get into, in various forms and fashions, the how how fair is it, and to what degree do you penalize the next administration for the sins of the previous administration? Mm-hmm. And that is always what is the most compelling reason why I don't love the bull bands and that sort of thing. I'm usually not out in a thirst for blood, but <laughs> but that would be. The, the best argument for not doing that. In a situation like this, there is an argument for that. That's why I'm saying more from the, hey, it's more maybe the minority opinion to say they should not have some sort of bull ban or, or that sort of thing, or at least it could be hotly debated because, again, the sheer number of violations and even the $8 million fine, although it is of no great consequence to the University of Tennessee nor their athletic department, $8 million will still be quite okay at the end of the day they will they will find the money 
that is still one of the the larger finds I can recall in that instance too. This was clearly clearly one of the higher penalties without getting a bull ban. Now you can still amount it to a slap on the wrist because what are these things in actuality? The only practical cost here for Tennessee football is a a a decrease in scholarship allotment for the next few years, of which it's about five or six per year, ultimately. So that that is something, but it is not nothing, but it is also not a lot. And and that's really the all, only real penalty for Tennessee going forward. So with all that knowledge, guys, what do you think of it? Should they have gone for a bowl ban? Uh, is this a slap of the wrist? Just what do you make of the ultimate penalties here? So I wouldn't I, I think I think they did right. I think they did fine, and uh, in, in, I think the punishment is justified. Um, I think that you know they didn't. They're not punishing the school as they are punishing the school, but the bowl ban. I understand why they're not doing the bowl ban because it's not. It's not Pruitt. It's not even there. He's not there anymore. You're you're punishing, you know, Josh Heupel and his regime that is actually finally trying to gain some success and momentum. They're actually doing pretty decent. You're punishing them that had absolutely nothing to do with with this, you know? So I, I think that's why they didn't do the bowl ban. I think they gave Pruitt the, the show cause. I think that was good. Um, taking away scholarships, like, you know, even though that is unfortunate, that's just kind of a part of that. As unfortunate as it is, it's just part of the game. You know, it, it just that's just a part of it. Because they're, they're still Tennessee. That still happened while, you know, in their program. So they still have to, at some point, they still have to um, take that sort of punishment. But in terms of the bull band, in terms of, of, you know, currently allowing, you know, making these players suffer that had absolutely nothing to do with it, I think they did right. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same, the same boat. I, I think that you, you punish the university – um, but when it, when it comes to like bull bands or anything like that, um, the, this, this regime didn't have anything to do with it. This, it, it's, it punishes the players that are there now and it punishes the coaches that are there now that hadn't, didn't have anything to do with it. Um, it, and it's, and it punishes the fans really too, because the fans didn't really have anything to do with it, uh, either. And so when, when the NCAA hands down these punishments, I agree with, you know, finding the school and, and stuff like that and doing some stuff to the administrative side of things. Um, and then when it comes to coaching the, the coaches that were involved in it, giving them, you know, punishment after the fact, I, I'm fine with that. Uh, but the, the current players, the current coaches that, you know, had nothing to do with, with what went down, I I really I really don't agree with that because they they had nothing to do with it. They didn't you know they came into the situation, and it was it, it was it's it's unfortunate uh, when you when you go into that situation. But you had nothing to do with it. Josh Heupel didn't do this. It, it was it was not Josh Heupel's doing at Tennessee. And so I'm I'm fine with the with the punishments here for that the NCAA dealt out today. Yeah, you know, again, here's my my question on okay, if you believe it's not a bull ban right now, what would it take at that point? You know, is this really not an option that's on the table anymore or, or at least frequently on the table? Because I, I guess the only thing I come up with is they'd have to still be having the same coach, right? Like if, right. if Jeremy Pruitt had actually been good then and, and he had not been fired – 
even despite this revelation of allegations, then that that I guess that would be a more acceptable punishment because it is punishing the current administration, who was also the former administration. I get. I guess if if Pruitt was still there today, then I think the bowl ban would be required. Oh yeah, I would say, and and it would be very much in play. So at what point does a program ever like like pay for the sins of the past coach? At that point, with a bowl ban, like what would they have to do at that point to say, you know what, this was so bad, it doesn't matter that guy's not here anymore. You're still getting a bowl ban for a year or two. Because remember, I mean, look, I, I, I think that when you are looking at this, it is it, that's clearly what it is. It's clearly a, this is not the same people. We don't want to penalize these people right. when they've not done anything. Because remember, the Auburn deal in basketball just a couple of years ago when Auburn was not eligible to play in the postseason and it was still Bruce Pearl staff, although the the deal was with Chuck Person. Well, Chuck Person was not on the staff anymore, but the rest of the staff was the same and Auburn had a an eligible year there, which, again, Auburn ended up having <laughs> fights with the NCAA about Shreve Cooper's eligibility. It led to a team that was ultimately not going to make postseason anyway but nevertheless, we, we just saw a situation here a couple of years ago in, in a different sport, granted, but in basketball. And I'm, I'm just I'm not sure that if everything is different that the NCAA really wants to do this anymore. They, they have continued to be an organization that does not punish many schools harshly. They just don't. They – I what, When's the last time? Can you guys even recall a time the last time you thought, "Wow, that was actually maybe too much that the NCAA did"? When was the last time that occurred? That they did too much? Yeah, on a penalty. Man, um, I don't know. We just yeah. had the serious Will Wade yeah, deal that wasn't so. a whole the, lot, and the thing about it is, be, the NCAA just moves so slow because yeah, we we knew about I think these. That's what it is. We moved, knew about the the, uh, the Jeremy Pruitt thing. Did we know about it when he was still there, or was it right after he left that they you found out about it with the Pruitt? Stuff? Yeah, with, yeah. With I think Tennessee it was like stuff. right after, and so, oh, it might have been like a year or so after. Because if if you like if if I, I think that you have a, a short window to that uh, you know that a bull band could um, that the that a bull band could come into play is a very very short window that if you act swiftly enough um, it's it would be it, it could it could work because you'd have more uh, more players there that it would affect um, but I don't know what the most what the the biggest I mean. The most over overreached by the NCAA. Um, I don't know. Everything that I, I mean, everything that I can think of is you know, I don't I, is I wouldn't. I'm not going to say that everything's they've ever, they've punished everybody perfectly because it's never been that way. Um, but I just don't know of an, a specific instance that you can think about because it just happens so far. It 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 you get the notice of allegations. And then you sit there, and you sit there, and you sit there, and years go by, and then it's like, hey, 
here's a this many dollar this fine. Ruling. This ruling, yeah. yeah. It, you you got to get these things out. I almost quicker. forget it's coming for it, a little while. It's like, um, has anything happened with Kansas basketball? Has Bill Self like because they got a big notice of allegations like a couple years ago, and everyone's like, oh, this is it. This is the end of Bill Self. Did Kansas. he get suspended suspended for a couple games? Yeah, I think so. Maybe I vaguely self, remember maybe him being suspended self for suspension games. for the first like two games of the season, something like. Was that? Was it a self suspension or was it and the NCAA said you got to sit out two games? Well, technically, either way, it was a self suspension. But <laughs> uh, sorry, horrible joke. Uh, well, okay. Well, the other one too, in fuzzy memory, did did Les Miles in Kansas? Did that did that come to a head? I don't know, man. See, it it just takes either. so long. Exactly. It, and and we don't have the appetite for 15 months to be like, oh, yeah, it, no it update here. It's no not update. like it has to be like, you know, everybody complains about the, the current culture where it's like, we need everything right now. Well, we don't need you to come out with an allegation and then the next day give us a, a verdict. Like, you can take a, a few months to do it, but if you've got the evidence there to, to have an allegation, uh, it, it needs to be quicker. They proved with the Will Wade stuff. Nothing will ever be quick. That was the most cut and dry. That was on tape. We all heard it. We all understood it. And he just got his penalty a couple a few weeks ago with right. Whitney Neistay and a a a defeats the purpose show cause where he's still getting to coach because he yeah. already got this job. He just can't move off that job to a different one for a certain amount of time. I don't know. I just I think it goes back into no matter how valid either argument is, you're going to fall on the side on the NCAA just not doing it very well because they don't do a lot of things very well, ultimately. And and uh, again, the Tennessee punishment again. And I'll I'll be forthcoming. I forgot there was one coming. Yeah. I did. I right. Like you forgot like about once, the McDonald's bag. Once I saw the headlines, I was and, and saw Jeremy Pruitt, I was like, oh yeah, that was when we were joking about McDonald's bags. And all, and all that sort yeah, of stuff. You know, that. Like that's that was maybe a year ago yeah. that we found out about that or something like that. I don't even. That's what I was trying. I don't remember even when it happened. Like I felt like it was it was longer ago than that. Was maybe when at the point of firing him two years ago did that come out? I mean, it's genuinely like I. I maybe I'm supposed to remember all this. I don't know. You you tell me if I if I should remember every single NCAA investigation. But but they they do drone on so long that I genuinely first saw the headline and was like, what did Hypel do? And then went on to read six years show cost Jeremy Pruitt. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was when they were just obviously giving recruits anything. You know, I mean, it, 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 I had to have the memory jog. It, it took so long. And, say, I'm, I'm trying to scan through articles really quickly to see, but I, I can't find a date when this was like actually – sent like the first time I said, October 20 October 2022 the Tennessee was granted a 30-day extension by the NCAA to, to come right. up with uh, just find the oldest article about it it doesn't have to give a date on when the allegations were just if it, there's an article written in May about it then clearly it happened before May etc so we got at least of October last year I think it was All right so Sports Illustrated's got one if this will load Sports Illustrated College Football World reacts to Tennessee notice of allegations July twenty second, twenty twenty two. So it's been a year. Okay, full year, which feels kind of fast for them. Honestly. It does. Yeah, I take it yeah. back. A full year. Yeah. yeah, a full. I mean, literally a week away from a full year. Good job. 
That could have been an that could be an and that could have been an SEC media days bonanza where it's like yeah. Sankey comes out there. He's like, I want to introduce the head football coach of Josh Heupel, and then Sankey always has something thoughtful or clever to say. And then, oh, by the way, just got this in from uh, from the NCAA. <laughs> don't worry about it, Josh. You don't have a bowl pan, uh, bowl ban. Here's oh, Josh Heupel. Dude, Josh Everybody, <laughs> uh, that would have been uh, that would have been pretty good stuff. But yeah, Tennessee again, eight million dollar fine. A reduction of scholarships about comes out to about five or six less scholarships per year for five years, and then uh, former head coach, the fire Jeremy Pruitt, six years show cause. Uh, so he's been gone. I, is it six years from when he was fired, or six years from now? Because it's got to be like six years from the um, from the ruling, right? Because if it is, and that's twenty twenty nine. Uh, July of 2029, when someone can employ his services as a head coach again. So uh, that's uh, those are the penalties given to Tennessee slash Jeremy Pruitt for all those recruiting violations, level one violations back in the Jeremy Pruitt era. We're, we're going to take our next time out of the show when we come back. A what to watch for over the weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is what? My name is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. If you missed any of our shows so far, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. And join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, Taste the feeling. Of course, our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. I'm really sore. Sorry about that. <laughs> I I heard you, and uh, I was like, I, I didn't know. Do you have a problem with Coca-Cola or no? <laughs> no. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Honestly, though, I couldn't tell you the last time I drank a Coke. I miss it. Well, I'm. We're, we'll change. I, I don't know why we have to change that. We'll, I mean, we'll ch- no, you like no, Sprite. He's, they're a sponsor. We're going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Be you drink Sprite, though. That's a Coke product. I do drink Sprite. Cr- yeah. I do. I He's do. still on the Coke train. I just, I haven't, had, oh, man, I haven't had a Coke in a hot minute. I might get one while we're in. I might get All crazy. All right. Might mess around <laughs> and find out. All right. I might. All I, right. might I might. I do. I miss, I miss Coke every once in a while. I just, it's helped a go. lot that I don't drink it, though. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you can also be inventive in the Coke freestyle machine and get weird flavored Sprite and, and all that sort of thing. I always get vanilla Coke and did that at lunch at Moe's today. And, mm. and uh, yeah, it's just it's always my go-to. All right, starting to wind down this Friday show and another week of Sports Call. Time for What to Watch For. Sports Calls, What to Watch For over the weekend. I'll start with you, Brooks, as uh, we've been having several – NASCAR interviews over the last few weeks. NASCAR Cup Series goes to New Hampshire this Sunday after racing in Atlanta. Rain shortened race last weekend. By the way, the SRX, I watched that last night. That was also weather shortened, getting a horrible run of luck with weather. By the way, 80% chance of rain in New Hampshire on Sunday, according to Fox Sports' Bob Pachras. They do have the rain tires available, though, for New Hampshire. It's one of the few non-road courses, a couple short tracks that they have uh, rain tires for. So they might be able to race anyway, as long as there's no lightning and not absolutely pouring. But uh, Cup Series goes to New Hampshire. William Byron, the winner last week. The Hendrick Stable, though, two guys in, looking strong, championship contenders, and William Byron and Kyle Larson. Two guys in Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman on the outside looking in as we get towards the playoffs. Yeah, William Byron, uh, like you said, in prime position in the playoffs right now, sitting on the first, uh, the top of the leaderboard after, uh, well, yeah, I think he was top of the leaderboard going into last week anyway, but he after get that win at Atlanta, uh, got still on top of the leaderboard, um, got a really good shot this weekend uh, to, to uh, continue to solidify himself. You've got some other big contenders here, though, around – uh, around the NASCAR world uh, and uh, going into this weekend up in New Hampshire. Kyle Busch, Mark, uh, Martin Truex Jr., Ross Chastain are some guys that are trying to chase down William Byron there at the top. Some guys looking to try to get in. Uh, try to, well, they're, they're in right now, but they're, they're trying to get their first wins. Kevin Harvick, Keselowski, Chris Buescher, Daniel Suarez, Michael McDowell are some guys that are looking for their first wins of the year, try to solidify themselves in a playoff spot, and then like you said, you got a few guys, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, A.J. Allmendinger, some guys right there on the outside looking in for a playoff spot. So it's going to be an interesting race up there. Hopefully you uh, you could get it all in. Uh, I think the uh, the Xfinity was running their qualifying this afternoon and had a little some 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 fun action up there at qualifying in New Hampshire. And so we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. And Cam, the Atlanta Braves back in action. A yeah. rare foe, the Chicago White Sox this week weekend for the Bravos. Yeah, um, might not even have to face Luis Roberts Jr. because, you know, he's feeling some tightness from, uh, I think it was like maybe a hamstring, something like that. Something from the home um, run derby, yeah. Yeah, from the home run derby. So um, he, he was getting an MRI, so might not even have to face their best, I think, best player. Maybe Tim Anderson might be there, but one of those two guys. And, um yeah, I'm, I mean, as long the Braves just kind of got to just get back into the groove that they were in at, uh, before the All-Star break um, and uh, see if they can't reel off maybe a sweep here uh, in the weekend. We have time to go to the Auburn Bank phone line for one quick phone call here, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? 
I'm doing fine, guys. I've been having a problem with AT&T and their Internet outage. But anyway, thanks for taking my phone call. I know time is limited. Your time is always appreciated with me. So let's get to it real quickly. Yes, sir. Uh, some nuggets, some quick nuggets from Nathan King today about Jarquez Hunter. Uh, he says nothing definite uh, has been said, nor can he get anything official. However, he said some sources have led him to believe that Jarquez Hunter will be seen on the field. Have you heard anything different? No, definitely not heard anything different. I mean, again, I think that uh, this has been such a, a quiet process that I think as time goes on, the, the likelihood of something drastic happening would, would decrease there. And so, uh, again, have not heard one way or the other, but, again, just my my thought would be as this drags on, the, the better chance it is that, that uh, he's going to play and that uh, there's going to be nothing too severe going on. And apparently there's some videos out, according to Nathan King, of uh, uh, Mr. Jacquez Hunter training with who? Brad Lester. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, so I'll take a look. And Lester said, quote, he's probably one of the more athletic players I've ever trained. I put him up there with some of the best I've worked with in terms of athletic ability. Uh, that sounds pretty encouraging. And finally, guys, uh, this continues to be an encouraging sign, but rather at the same time kind of like a double-A sort of a troubling sign from uh, Mr. Galen Williams. Uh, and it was regarding the uh, – the, the, the team uh, getting together, they're uh, practicing one-on-one and uh, individually. And then he goes on to say that uh, apparently uh, the, uh, the, the team spirit seems to be more cohesive, so to speak. Uh, he says that, uh, that, that the players are much more, um, the chemistry is, seems to be much, uh, much more improved. And I was wondering, well, wow, uh, that's pretty uh, candid statements, and uh, I, I don't know. You do, do you have to get permission for what they say, you know, with uh, Coach Pearl, or anything goes as what's allowed? Well, I mean, I think that all these statements have, I mean, can be taken in reference to last year's team. Obviously, it is a comparison, but he's still not singling anybody out, and I know that we can certainly speculate on, on who he would be referring to. I certainly have my opinion that it's probably – Wendell Green Jr. related more than anything, given that Katie Johnson's the other guy that that had some issues last year, but yet he's on the team. And I think it also just speaks to guys bringing in good vibes and and having uh, good energy too. So, I mean, again, as long as he's not singling these these guys out, and uh, again, I I think that it's – look, when you're asked questions, you have to say something other than, yeah, we're all right, or things are going pretty good. I mean, like, you know, it's – you're going to make comparisons or else if it's the same as last year, why is the team going to be different than last year? Is the team not going to be any better? So I, I'm fine with what he's saying. Yeah, uh, I guess um, no, the thing that caught my attention is when he said, quote, it's crazy how close we are already. Last year, the team wasn't as close. We had some older guys that were just separated from the team and stuff like that. I said, wow, what is he talking about? Yeah. I mean, again, that team. I mean, maybe they just again they weren't as good of friends. They weren't. They didn't gel as quickly. That's not an in, insane thing. I mean, that can happen to certain teams, and certain teams can bond stronger than others. So, I mean, it's certainly I'm looking at it as an encouraging sign for this year, rather than oh, you know, last year was just you know destined to fail from the start. I just think that they're off to a better place. They do have some of their key players that 
like Janai Broom that's in his second year now, and that's that's certainly going to help. They've got a couple more key newcomers, and, and someone like Jalen Williams will be uh, very important to step out. You know, again, like I said, I mentioned that he could be referring to Wendell Green Jr. He also could be referring to someone like Alan Flanagan. Like, again, that's why it would be speculation, but uh, I think ultimately just I read into it as being a, a positive sign moving forward. And I look at it that way, too. I just said, wow, so the team wasn't that close last year, as he alludes to it. Then uh, I'd say Pearl, the coaches, did a pretty good job for what we uh, saw uh, in terms of performance. All right, with that said, guys, uh, the Braves are playing uh, who this uh, series? Chicago White Sox. Okay. Um, I don't even know what their record is. Not uh, good. Are they any, not good. So uh, is it at home or on the road? I believe it is in Atlanta, Yep, in Truist Park. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think they'll be able to sweep it? Uh, I would. Uh, yeah, I could give you the the the, no, the normal baseball answer. I, it is it is sweepable? It is sweepable. But I mean, the White Sox they do have some power hitters. So if they have one big offensive game, they could steal a game. Okay, fine. All right, guys. I'm looking forward to next week to uh, hear you guys live. Uh, SEC Media Days. I hope you guys are up for it. Yes, sir. We're really excited about it. We're already Brooks has always already been emailing people away, trying to set some things up for next week. Okay, so the whole crew will be there. Yes, sir. Uh, myself, Brooks, Cam, Brant, and Tom. Okay, all right. And TP. Uh, TP will be back here holding down the fort. That's how people will be able to get on air with phone calls and that sort of thing. Okay, great. So, guys, have you been told yet what time the Auburn um, uh, segment will be? Uh, we have not. I, I think it's, again, all I know that it's, I think it's shortly after lunchtime on Tuesday. I don't know the particular time. I think it's like one, one they, they give windows. We've not gotten the detailed schedule, but I believe it's going to be like one or two o'clock on, uh, on Tuesday, I believe, somewhere in there. Okay, bye. Well, uh, I look forward to uh, hearing you guys live, and uh, I have a safe and relaxing uh, uh, weekend. And uh, Monday, I'll do my best to see if I can make any better sense. Until then, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate your phone call. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're down to just a couple of minutes left here uh, in the show, so we'll get to the nightly TV guide in just a second. One more quick what to watch for over the weekend. I wanted to, to jam in real quick. Wimbledon final coming up this this weekend. Uh, can't say I know much about the women's final. Just going to go ahead and be honest there. I was going to say, it's, uh, if you want to know the names, Ons Jabour, I, I don't know if that's... Yes. Or, and Marketa von yeah. Drusova. And yes, von as well. Drusova, and nice. She is, I believe she is the first unseated woman since Billie Jean King to make it to the, wow. the final at Wimbledon. And and look, we've had some of these, uh, these, these women that have had some nice starts to a career, some really great tournaments as a really young player. Some Americans, as a matter of fact. And yeah. then they've like not parlayed it any, yeah. into anything. So that's a great stat. But I don't want to be like, who was that again in five years? Like I want True. that person to actually be one of the relevant names in the sport. The men's draw, uh, you got Alcaraz versus Djokovic. I'm going to say Chalk. Yeah, Chalk. versus two. Uh, top two in the sport right now. Djokovic, the old head. Alcaraz, the, the, clear, the clear leader of the next generation. Not Star Trek. Not dad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the clear front runner to be the next guy that, that gets compared to all these these top guys in the sport. Uh, he already won the major last year. Is he 21? Tw- he's 20. 20 still? 
Uh, so a super young guy, Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, 20. Just yep. turned 22 Djokovic, in May. Djokovic uh, is on the the older side of things for a tennis player. I believe like 34-ish, 33-ish. 36. 36-ish. That's definitely on the older side of things uh, for tennis. But, hey, as with all the other sports going on, uh, the, the primes of people's career are longer. And even someone like Nadal has played pretty well up into his mid-30s when healthy. Federer did the same thing. He was still incredible at Wimbledon until he just <laughs> couldn't move anymore. I mean, uh, that, that's kind of been how it is for uh, really all the different sports and, and, and tennis, no exception there. Uh, we're one week away from the, the Open Championship. Yeah. Be the, the season's our golf's final major. Always throws me off that the PGA is not the last anyone because that was the one thing the PGA had going for it. It was called Glory's Last Shot, and the beautiful tones of Jim Nance <laughs> were all of his friends. And, and and so that's what the PGA had. Now the PGA is just like, oh, yeah, it's in May, and it's cool, whatever. You know, All, all the big names, if you're looking for a preview, kind of a, a preview, all the big names in the PGA Tour are in Scotland this week right. playing at the Scottish Open. McElroy, I believe, tying for the lead. He is. Two rounds of uh, – that's fortunately not been insanely early. They've been playing the back nine, yeah. like when we've been getting into the office at 10, 11 in the morning. So that's, it's not too bad. But, uh, man, I remember. Oh, McElroy's got the solo lead. The oh, solo, solo he's, at, he's at 10 under for the, ramp, for the, uh, for the day. I'm not rooting the day, for that the, guy, man. The, the tournament. I'm rooting for that guy, man. I, uh, I want to see him win a major again. It's been a long time. He has been uh, maybe public enemy number one of Liv. He has wanted it that way. Was his comments the other day that said if uh, if Liv was the the last golf tour on the in the world, he would retire. Uh, you know, I respect I respect the stance though. I re, I respect the stance. He has held that stance since it began. He has not, you know, really wavered and oh you know maybe this merger or maybe this deal whatever this deal is going to be maybe this be a good thing he said no I, I want nothing to do with them and good for him uh he's well entitled to that opinion and uh he's certainly grown on me over the years uh any golfer that's a friend of tiger is a friend of mine <laughs> uh, so uh i uh, i wish him well and uh we'll probably talk a little bit about the open no we won't talk about we I, we I, I'm glad I brought it up now. We will not talk about the Open a single second next week because even on Friday it will be. I'll jam it in there football. somewhere. Fine, say the words "the British Open" and we'll leave, leave it at that next week. I'll jam Ball. it in yeah. there. And if you're an Auburn fan looking for golf action this weekend, um, Patton Kazire and Jason Duffner are at the Barbersaw Championship this Duffner weekend. Duffner got up seven or eight under, so he's not far off the leaderboard. Yeah. I think Kazire was only like five or six or something like that. But uh, yeah, the Barbersaw used to be here. Used to be so, kind of. I maybe maybe don't watch it as like a <laughs> revolt against it when it was at RTJ for a couple of years. But running out of time for the show today, just a couple minutes left. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Movie picks for your Friday evening starting out at six o'clock on AMC. The uh, post-apocalyptic. A uh, teenage angst book turned movie. The Hunger Games is on tonight. Well, Hunger Games. Uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I'll start my uh, 
Then at six, <laughs> also at six o'clock, your Marvel fix for the evening. Iron Man, starring Robert Downey Jr., is on. Another good one. Yeah, sports on for you tonight around uh, the world, around the uh, the sports world. There is some NBA Summer League action tonight, six o'clock on ESPN. Dose. It is the Boston Celtics versus the New York Knicks. Follow that up with the Miami Miami Heat. Taking on the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, the Miami Nuggets. The Miami, Miami Nuggets. Nuggets. I yeah. thought that's what I heard you about to say. Also, racing action tonight, 6 o'clock on FS1. It's an NHRA drag racing action coming at you uh, from Denver. Qualifying action there. And, of course, your Atlanta Braves, as well as the rest of Major League Baseball, are back tonight. 620 on Bally Sports Southeast. The Braves take on the Chicago White Sox. Your free game of the night on MLB.tv if you're looking for some late-night baseball action. The Tigers and the Mariners, 9-10 first pitch on MLB.tv. And that's a look at your night TV guide brought to you by our friends at White. I just Collar want Casey Myers to get healthy again. Yeah, and also, right. by the way, Ryan Bliss, uh, I saw this the other day. Yeah. He got called to AAA Yeah, yesterday. good for him. He hit 340 in AA, I think I saw. No, I thought it was 396. Three, almost 400. He hit three yeah. a lot, and uh, <laughs> he's hitting a lot, so he's up AAA as another, another Auburn Tiger tries to make the show. Brooks, thank you for being on the show today. We will see you in Nashville on Monday. See you there. And Cam Berry, thank you for being on the show. We will see you in Nashville on Monday. See you there. Brad, start the car! (laughs) (laughs) That will do it for the show today and for the week. As always, we'd like to thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend. We'll see you in Nashville on Monday.